You know what? To be honest, Gentlemen? I sound a little bit better. We're alive. Okay, guys, Mike Ritlin uh, is going to pull out his new book that just came out that's selling at churches across the country. Go ahead. Can you tell us the title? Of the I book? believe it is called, Mike's new book is called Unfuck America, yeah. a respectful, open minded conversation. Seems very yeah. respectful, Mike. A little Mike. dichotomy there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, when did you write this book? When did this come out? Uh, well, so I wrote it actually during the, uh, like when the, the COVID shutdowns kind of first took place. Everything was, was closed. My kids were, were home from school. And so I just used that as, uh, as an opportunity for me to work on that. Um, <clears throat> I, I was approached by a, by a publishing house to, uh, to do a similar book, but. You know, immediately I thought my thoughts on it, coupled with you know their their process of uh, you know editing and things like that, is probably not going to make for uh, more than about a pamphlet's worth of uh, of material uh, <laughs> when when it's done. So I just did it myself and and self published. So it's something that I, I've been thinking about for a while. Thank you. Is uh, you know with a lot of the conversations I've had on my show with. Uh, experts of, of all different varieties, whether it's border, uh, drugs, guns, you know, child trafficking, you name it, is that I wanted to have kind of a, a, an all-encompassing book that, uh, that kind of shed light on, on all of those topics through the eyes of, of the show, having had all these experts on. So, hey, but By the way, we've had Mike on. Mike, you've been on, is it once or twice? We had Two you on times. twice, right? Yep. You've been on the podcast. Yep. And one time you, you made comments about women in Navy SEALs which uh, uh, some loved, some didn't like, but a lot of people wanted to find out more about it. Then it was another comment uh, video that we did that was on what? It was on... Uh, Mike. Uh, I, w I enrolled in Mike's class on how to understand guns and safety. Yeah. And that clip uh, has pretty did, much gone all, viral. Yeah. Half a million views online and... and it's definitely opened my mind as to, yeah. you know... The, He's carrying right now, just so you right know. Right now. We finally got <laughs> right him now. to carry. Don't mess Good. with me. Yeah. yeah. That's but Florida. At, but at the same time, folks, if you don't know Mike Ritlin, yeah. he's a former Navy SEAL, dog trainer, millions of views, and he's got a sense of humor. I'm telling you, stick around. The guy's got a sense of humor. He's got a Yogi Berra type of a sense of humor that you have to have. <laughs> I think you have to be... Witty enough and sarcastic enough to catch the sense of humor. But it's there. It's for sure going to come out. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's not too lowbrow. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, hopefully it is. Yeah, hopefully I'm it good is. with it. Yeah. By the way, I was, um, I was looking at the clip that we did last time. It, it, it performed very well. A lot of people really enjoyed it. Thousands of comments. And then I happened to uh, stumble across images of you online. Naked. No. <laughs> you found a naked picture. I, like he said, he was performing well. Are you on my OnlyFans app? Is that what's happening? I'm subscribed. $9.99 a month. It's a fantastic yeah. look for you. Loyalty. Tyler, but look at this guy. It's either dogs or this guy looking chiseled. Oh. And that's, it's... Uh, that's uh, implants and Photoshop. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, I mean, look at the top right picture. Dude, Mike, are yeah. you kidding me? I'm Mike. not kidding you. It's not a joke. Is that you? It is. But uh, that's me on the left, too, as a 22-year-old... Uh, Baby Frogman in, in Hawaii. <laughs> now, on the right, you, you can't, your chest kind of looks Middle Eastern. It yeah. looks uh, very hairy. And, uh, you, well, I've you spent look some like, time there. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. could happen. You yeah, hang out with them. Off it them. rubs <laughs> off for sure. You know, it, it's, it is very uh, contagious. Yeah. Anyways, guys, we got a lot of topics to get into. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the book as well. Some things, folks, you got to know about. So news just came in. ISIS leader killed in U.S. special operations raid in Syria. Biden says... Uh, he didn't do it himself, but it is something that uh, uh, just came. I want to make sure I put it out there. Biden some people, flying off yeah, the helicopter yeah, Rambo yeah. style and, and just started unloading. Here's the part that's the most impressive one. So this entire time, everybody's been trying to fix this COVID issue. But President Biden, you got to respect how aspirational he is. 
He has taken up a different challenge. He aims to reduce cancer death by 50% over the next 25 years. So he is attacking cancer now. They did such a good job with COVID. Now they're going after cancer. You tell me that's not impressive, though. I'm, that, hey, kill cancer. Yeah, that's, cancer. that's a, I'm okay but, but, that. but I'm, I'm okay with killing cancer. Yeah. What I'm not okay with is let's first kill COVID before you're aspirational enough to kill cancer. You, you got, can't you, do two things you, at once, is you, what you're saying? Well, that's not you can't do two things at once. But the, the, COVID's over here. I was like, no, 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 don't look here. Let's uh, look over here. Let's look over here. Gotcha. Maybe I'm Slide wrong. Slide a hand kind of a so thing. So Brady made comments about retirement. There's one thing he left out when he talked about retirement. He didn't think Belichick. He didn't think Brady. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't think none of the Patriots fans. Nothing. But I want to read what Belichick said, which I really like Belichick's comments uh, and uh, what he said. Uh, Zucker, uh, I know you're heartbroken by this. Jeff Zucker from CNN Yeah, I, I resigned. All, all night. I didn't get any sleep. I, you know, I thought you were going to cancel today. I was a little bit concerned. I thought for <laughs> if sure. If I Mike, wasn't here, I would have. <laughs> I was going to cancel. Yeah. Uh, data came out showing the fact that Tucker Carlson, nearly 40% of his viewers are Democrats. Mm. Liberal leaning. Interesting yeah, stuff. That's a very interesting stuff. Whoopi made some comments. I definitely want to get your commentary on mm-hmm. that, on what you think about what she said. Saki. Uh, actually responded about Joe Rogan being censored. And did you guys hear about how many COVID-related uh, videos and podcasts Spotify took down in the last few weeks? Did you guys Dozens, hear about Dozens, I heard. Dozens. More than that? 20,000. What? 20,000 clips? 20,000. Anything related to COVID that could be misinformation. Short clips. Anything that not was... Not episodes. No, po- okay. podcast episodes. Podcast episode, long yeah. form. What? 20 thousand were taken so on by spotify, spotify made that decision so spotify recently so, yes so so they're saying wow. now that spotify is maybe caving in and it's kind of you know going a different direction your boy daniel elk Eck? daniel eck i know you're feeling like going to casa to have some elk but it's daniel eck he so twenty thousand <laughs> of them aoc heartbreaking she's dealing with anxiety because of uh her visiting Florida, it's tough out there. and she got a lot of criticism for visiting Florida, so she's not wanting to get on Twitter because uh, she, she gets too much criticism. And we have to kind of lower the criticism there. So, folks, uh, it, just disclaimer to everybody, next time if you see her video, please take it easy on her. Um, and then we got a few other things. Vox did a story. You ready for this Vox story? I, when I saw this title, I almost thought it was a joke. It said, remote work isn't the problem. You know what's the problem? <laughs> work is the problem. What? So let's not have to, let's not work anymore. Uh, and uh, let's get everybody to stay home. And then, you know, we broke a record. U.S. is officially in debt $30 trillion. Okay. It's Congratulations, so, United yeah, States of it, America. We're killing it's it It's so right bad now. that Babylon B wrote an article about it, a satire article about it, saying the debt is so high that immigrants are turning back around and going back home. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so let's go into this. So ISIS, this news just came up. If you want to pull this up with the ISIS story, and let's kind of go through this. If you can uh, uh, make it a little bit bigger so the viewers can see it. Uh, so here we go. Biden, U.S. rate in Syria killed top ISIS leader. Go a little lower so we can read it. And Mike, if you can give us some thoughts on this. Uh, President Biden said on Thursday that the U.S. raid in northwestern Syria killed top ISIS leader Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Khurashi. What he's saying is last night at my direction, U.S. military forces at my direction. Very impressive. U.S. military forces in northwest Syria successfully undertook a counterterrorism operation to protect the American people and our allies and make the world a safer place, Biden said. Thanks to the skill and bravery of our armed forces, we have taken off battlefield Abu Ibrahim, the leader of ISIS. All Americans have returned safely from the operations, monitoring and other groups as well as residents of the raided uh, village Atem, Atmeh in the rebel-held uh, Idlib, 
province near the border with Turkey reported multiple deaths, including civilians, British, nine people uh, uh, were killed in Thursday's strike, including two children and a woman. Wow. Okay, so that's the part that's going to... British Monetary Group, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, said at least nine people were killed in Thursday's strike, including two children and a woman. The Syrian civil defense first responders, also known as the White Helmet, said at least 13 people died, including six children, in shelling and clashes that followed the raid. So, Mike, former Navy SEAL, when you see something like this, what are you thinking and what do you know about it? Well, in terms of detail that I know about it is uh, basically zero. Uh, with it being this new and, and me having been out as long as I have, I, I have no no connections as to any you know pertinent details. But what I will say is that, you know, stuff like this takes place pretty regularly. Um, from a from a timing standpoint, I, you know, it, it's easy to look at it and say it's a shell game of hey things are going bad, so let me do something like this. You know, th- there's a potential for that. No no two ways about it. But I think it's always good when uh, when things like this happen uh, as it relates to keeping <clears throat> terrorist groups accountable overseas and uh, you know keeping the pressure on them there so that it, uh, you know they they feel the heat there and it's harder for them to, to execute things uh, you know over here. But I just don't uh, I, I don't like the timing of it. I guess you know it, it, do, it does seem a little uh, a little convenient because. We haven't done anything uh, over there, you know, his debacle or, or botched abortion of a, of a withdrawal from Afghanistan, um, you know, to me still stings and, and always will for, for most uh, guys who have had any involvement in the war on terror in the last 20 years. And so uh, it, it's hard for me not to have some bias coming into a story like this just because of how, how badly he's fumbled uh, military policy in, in the short year that he's been uh, at the helm, if you can even call it that. By the way, Tyler, can you go uh, uh, copy-paste his name and go on Google? Copy-paste his name, Abu, yeah. I've go never on, even heard of her. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> go on Google, <laughs> and let's read the Wikipedia, because I've been going through the Wikipedia. Uh, go little lore, yeah, go little lore, the main Wikipedia. It's a little concerning, because he's born in October. Go a little lore. There you go. Okay, good. I uh, Make it bigger. I remember someone, uh, let's see, born in October 1976, February 3rd, 2022, was an Iraqi Islamist and the second leader. Okay, so he was second in command of the Islamic State. His appointment by a Shura Council was announced by the Islamic State media uh, tw- 31st of October 2019, less than a week after the death of previous leader, Abu Bakr. Okay, so he got appointed after the U.S. rewards the justice program whilst offering $10 million in exchange for information, leading to... Uh, his apprehension. So does Biden get the 10 million? On February 3rd, 2022, 20, uh, he killed himself yes, and members of his family than even <laughs> by triggering an explosive device during a counterterrorism raid by U.S. Joint Special Operations Command. Wait, so he killed himself. So he did the same thing that Baghdadi did is he blew himself up when they were coming to get him. Remember, they sent the dogs after Baghdadi to the cave, and he blew himself up. Yeah, he's not going to give you the pride of killing him. He's going to do it himself. And his family, which is nice. Okay, so— So So explain that, by the way. You'd rather be—you'd rather kill yourself, set off an explosive, kill yourself and your family, rather than being taken out by infidels? I would Explain that. But uh, I I wish I could. No, from their mentality. You spend time over there. How does that work? Well, I mean, to me, it doesn't. Again, you know, trying to understand the the mindset and the mentality of these guys, even though, you know, know your enemy and you want to understand— who you're fighting uh, is, is very, very difficult for that reason, is that there, there's such a disparity culturally between here and there and, and religious uh, you know, values and things of that nature that it makes it 
uh, I'll say for me, even not being a religious, a religious guy, uh, really, really difficult to understand mm-hmm. what the mentality is there. I mean, I, I can't understand him doing what he does to begin with, let alone killing himself. Uh, but it's it, it's such a backwards mentality as far as the the way that you know hardline extremist guys mm-hmm. in, in, in these networks and such, the way that they they and their families view uh, suicide bombers is of a very high regard right so well apparently you know according to the quran if you blow yourself up uh, you know in the the name of allah you literally go to heaven you get 72 virgins and that's part of their mantra yeah i mean i I don't know uh i don't know that it that it speaks to actual suicide in in the quran but i know that uh you know from from the twisted versions of uh a lot of the the networks over there mm-hmm. uh, and and we'll even say uh, afghanistan i had uh, holly mckay on my show uh, just a couple weeks ago who was there during the the withdrawal um you know in the the viewpoint and and stance that that a lot of that culture um you know kind of looks at as far as the the suicide bomber mentality is that those uh, let's say there's a 17 year old son and uh you know he blows himself up at a checkpoint and, and what have you is that that family is now almost considered royalty like they're paid they're they're revered they're they're wow. held at a really high standard societally the same. because their son blew himself yeah, up yeah, like now the family is revered right and and so other families see that and and they encourage their their kids to do it and their kids, these are their their kids want to do it these are our sports yeah. figures our actors yeah, are, i mean they're like that's yeah, wild. Be man. suicide ba- bomber baseball cards here before too long probably i'll tell you one thing i actually um had an Uber ride from Fort Lauderdale That's to racist. Miami, <laughs> to, to Miami. And in Miami, you, there's a 90% chance that your Uber driver is going to be of Latino descent, whether that's Cuban or Colombian or Venezuelan. I mean, just that's my, the makeup of the DNA of South Florida. This particular man was actually Palestinian. And uh, we got into a whole long conversation. He's like, so where are you from? Da, da, da. Miami, you're Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Jews. I'm like, oh, you're Palestinian. Yes, yes. You know, like he got, he's, he's been in America for 30 plus years. Yeah. So thick accent. And we had a very unique conversation, you know, a Jew, a Palestinian driver. And we, we actually exchanged numbers and he drew, it was actually on New Year's. He actually picked us up later. Point is we had a great time. And he said something, he goes, you got, you got, you have to understand one thing about these types of people. He goes, I'm a Muslim, but I'm very moderate. He goes, they value death more than we value life. Yeah. And I said, whoa, what? And he goes, yeah, they value death more than we value life. And, and we just discussed that, what that meant. And I mean, that kind of to your point here, Mike, is that their mentality, their values are totally different than any normal person would, would have. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's, that's half of it too, is the other half is that, you know, the, the economies and societies over there overwhelmingly so, have a kind of a feeling of despair almost, you know, like there's so unemployment rates must be just, I mean, everything like the, the lack of infrastructure, just there's so many negatives in, in the societies there Mm -hmm. that that there's not a lot to, uh, to want to live for, frankly, you know? And and so when you couple that with an isolated extremist, uh, conditioning from a religious standpoint and talking about the afterlife and, and, you know, basically brainwashing people, no different than, than some aspects of society here, frankly, but, uh, but there it's, it's just supercharged to a level where it's kind of a perfect storm of all these different elements that contribute to it, making it very easy for them to manipulate young piss broke families into, into sending their, their kids into, 
into those scenarios. But let, let me ask you this: Hassan Soleimani, when we when uh, he was killed, uh, uh, did he get a lot of negative pushback from the opposing side? On why would you take somebody out that powerful? Like I remember when this was Max, the Iranian yeah, yeah, top. This, this is, is the, like the head I mean, of the CIA, FBI. He all was put the together. next in line. Yeah. Even Zeller said, Soleimani. "I don't know if that was the right move to make, yeah. right, to do something like they're that." They're still talking about. They're it still in talking Iran. about it till today. Oh yeah, Revenge. and they're not going to forget about right. this guy because this guy had a very uh, uh, ups, big upside. He could have been the face of the country as a leader to 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 keep pushing their agenda, their philosophies, right? Mm-hmm. What happens with a situation <clears throat> like this? Uh, uh, what, what's the next, uh, uh, a, could there be a possibility of a revenge or a pushback or the side effects of doing something like this? Or is it more positive for ISIS to know, listen, if you do anything, we're going to constantly come and keep doing this to you. So yeah. uh, it, it, is it a positive move on what happened? Is there any negative thing that could happen here? To me, it's 100% positive. You know, is, I agree with is, you. is there going to be or, or is there a potential for blowback revenge? Of course there is. But that, to me, you should never base decisions as to whether or not you do something based on on how somebody might uh, retaliate based on that, if it's the right thing. You have thing. to anticipate it, though, right? You have sure. to be anticipating that something yeah. could happen. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I look at it as, as kind of a, a net reaction as far as, uh, you know, if there's 5,000 capable guys with a, you know, combat experience with strategic value with, uh, you know, logistical expertise that are within these organizations, it's always better to remove as many of those people as possible, Uh, you know, irrespective of of what potential blowback might be. I mean, no different than, say, your company here. Like, if, if somebody wanted to take out your company, you know, does the thought of you hiring, you know, the next best guy or, or bringing somebody else in or replacing whoever, is that going to deter them from trying to, to crumble your company? No, like they're, they're just going to come at you harder. You know, even if you they know you're going to respond in, in kind or, or what have you, no different than I mean, you've had a, bu- a bunch of mob bosses on similar mentality there is that they're going to take out who, who needs to be taken out and who's going to be value value added to, to being lost by that organization. So, yeah, I got I got to tell you, I like this. I, I like that this happened because for a minute we seemed sloppy. Yeah. Uh, for a minute we seemed weak. For a minute it was like, you know, these guys can't handle anything. I love the fact that something like this happened. Forget who's in the White House. It's great that America is seen with something like this taking place. Now, it's tragic when you read it and saying, because look how this one wrote it. This one wrote it. Look, stay right there on the article. It says, the Syrian civil defense first responders, Alhamas, at least 13 people died, including six children and shelling and clashes that followed the raid, right? Yeah. So you read that, and it doesn't look positive. It looks negative. British monitoring group, the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights, said at least nine people were killed in Thursday's strike. But we don't, two children and a woman, but you don't know if he killed those kids. We don't know who those two are. Those those his kids because on Wikipedia it says he killed himself. Right? Mm-hmm. He blew himself up. I'd be curious soon as information comes in to see uh, what that situation was like uh, in Syria. Mike, um, years ago, I mean a handful of years ago, we all we would hear about was the Syrian civil war. I remember when Gary Johnson, the Libertarian Party, was running for president. This was in 2016 when yeah. when when Trump won and and obviously edged out Hillary Clinton. He completely shit the bed because they said, what are your thoughts on what's going on with Aleppo, right? And he's uh, like, what's Aleppo? And he's like, what's Aleppo? And it's yeah. like, bro, do you want to be president? You don't know the, the capital of Syria? What the hell are yeah. you talking about right yeah. now? And that guy was done. Um, but what is going on in Syria these days? We heard so much about Assad, chemical warfare on their citizens, uh, you know, ISIS. You know, it's, it's so like 
you have you have ISIS and then you have the Taliban in Afghanistan and then you have Syria and the dictators and like the Shiites and the Sunnis and these people and then the Kurds up there. It's we can't figure out who to kill and then Syrian the government is fighting ISIS but we're fighting ISIS but we're also against Assad. We don't hear a lot about it these yeah. days. To Pat's point, what just can you make some sense of it, or is there no way to make sense of what to do going on over there? Well, being a part-time janitor at the CIA, <laughs> let me tell you what's going on. Uh, I mean, the, the short answer is is it's not as involved as it was, you know, four years ago. Is it still a mess the same way a lot of places uh, are still a mess over there? Yes. You know, to to try to to dissect it and understand, uh, you know, the cause and effect and and what is really going on. I mean, to me, you, you really need to spend time there, um, you know, and and try to evaluate it from a almost from a journalist standpoint of of not taking sides and just there figuring out what what that is. Why there's not more attention paid to it, I think, just really stems from the fact that Afghanistan, uh, you know, heated up with with the the drawdown and then the the debacle of the. Uh, of the withdrawal from there, uh, as well as, you know, Iran getting nuclear material and, and you know, things happening between Israel and and, uh, and Palestine the, sa- the same way that, that it has, you know, for the last several years. And so it's, there's just so many different things going on there that are all kind of equally terrible. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily any worse than, than seven other places over there. It's just, you're not hearing about it because there's there's no reason to hear about it. There's not an election going on. We have almost no involvement over there, and so it's just not on the radar. Especially mm-hmm. with you know something like COVID uh, here m- making such a big deal out of that. It's just uh, it's a priority thing. I and mean, is ISIS still as powerful, or no, they're, they're not anywhere? No, near? Okay. they're nowhere near as powerful. Do they still exist? Yes. Uh, I mean, there's a, a faction. There's ISIS K in Afghanistan that, yeah. that's caused a lot of problems, but. Um, you know, to me, they're they're smaller than they used to be mm-hmm. uh, what by, caused by quite a bit. Uh, m- mostly the four years that Trump was in office of really getting getting after it from an offensive standpoint as opposed to to a reactive standpoint. In, in what way? Just, I mean, operations like this times a thousand. You know, there, there was a lot more troop presence there. Uh, you know, we we took a lot of intelligence-based uh, measures to to execute missions like this and, and other ones to to push them back and take territory back and, and uh, get rid of high-value targets and things of that nature. So, Mike, how much of this, when an operation like this is taking place, the White House is aware of it a month, two months, three months, six months, a year prior to it happening? Like, is this something <clears throat> that Biden knew about three, six months ago? Or is, could, is it last minute, hey, guys, here's where we are, we found them, let's make the phone call, take them out, boom. Yeah. So generally speaking, you know, there, there's kind of a pulse or tabs on guys in certain areas. When something like this happens, it's generally uh, to a degree with which there's very, very credible and, and corroborated through multiple sources, viable intelligence that this guy is right here and now we can go find him, which is why you know this is a big deal is that to, to pinpoint a guy and actually be accurate as to his exact location, going and finding him, even though we didn't kill him, he blew himself up. The fact is the result is the same, is that that's a big deal intelligence uh, wise, you know, as far as a victory. So, so we knew about it. For, for sure. Now, did He's we... He's been on the radar is what you're saying. And yeah, then when, yeah, but, when the but, opportunity uh, arises, boom, sure. strike. But but what, what's not said and, and what's very possible, I don't have any intimate knowledge of it. How many times did we think he was somewhere, tried to go, and nothing happened? Who knows? Uh, it, it could have been a dozen. You know, so um, th- that's the, the tricky part with this. Like, to your question, you know, the, the different directors and, and, you know, people in different places of... of 
of a high value uh, in our government that know, okay, this guy's in this region, this guy's in that region, this outfit's operating here, they have about this many troops. You, you know, you, you have a good idea of you all know, those things. I'm going to ask a crazy question, and, and, and I just want you to be thinking about it, both of you guys. Say, Tyler, you think about it, see, see, see how you process this. So, you know how sometimes somebody all of a sudden has a bad rep for something they did, and they hire a publicist, and the publicist comes and tries to rebrand the person, right? Like, A-Rod rebranding himself very well until the J-Lo situation, it kind of went back to what it was, I think, a little bit, right? He took a little bit of a step back. But when A-Rod came back out, A-Rod was, this guy, listen, I did it. Here's what I did. This is what it is. He's definitely transformed. And then he was on, you know, a Shark Tank. You're seeing him everywhere. So you're like, this guy's incredible on TV. Mm -hmm. Great communicator. Great all this stuff. Then some people were upset what happened with J-Lo. No one knows the real story what happened there. The J-Lo fans came out and didn't like him. But A-Rod recreated his persona. Would you guys both agree? agree. Who else would you put in that category that recreated their, their persona at that level? I think musicians do it. Rappers do it. Kardashian did it. Stars do it all the time, right? And especially when you're getting older, you got to do it even more because right. if you don't, you're no longer 22. You're now 53. You don't look like you did at 22. You got to kind of mix it up, right? I wonder if there's meetings where you're sitting there saying, look, let's face it, man. And by the way, this I'm talking to any president. Look, your you know, score right now, your polls, you're your looking good. Your rating sucks suck right, now. right now. You ain't looking good. Midterms, you're talking about Biden. I'm talking about yeah. Biden. Midterms are coming up. We got to kind of fix some things up. So listen, five-step plan. Here's what we're going to do. No longer we're going to talk about COVID. We're going to talk about cancer. Number two, we need a strong position from your end to go take out somebody from ISIS. Let's call this. Number three, we need to do... Uh, do you think those types of conversations happen? They have to. Okay, I agree. I mean, I agree. I mean the, the, yeah. no doubt that I, they and, and I wonder if there's like a... 30-point marker of things to do to recreate your reputation in these 30 markers. Okay, which one of these do we want to do? Well, let's take this, 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 this. You've had a publicist before, right? Sure. I don't know your relationship a with public. Yeah. It's their job yeah. to make you look yeah. better, to recreate you, give you better talking points. All right, listen, you're going to get off the COVID thing. You're going to start focusing on cancer. Buddy, you just botched Afghanistan. Let's kill some mofos in Syria. This is, I think this is, you know, PR 101, like get your ratings back up. And well, I think Biden needed that. And, and to yeah. your point, Pat, I think it's important. And I want to get Mike's thoughts on this as well. Notice it was a raid and they didn't send in a drone. They didn't send in a reaper mm. because what happened last time we did that? We killed the, the aid worker <clears throat> and what, seven children. Yeah. We droned Pat Tillman. I mean, so so where does that come from? The Is it situational where they decide to raid or? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, so much of it is going to be driven by kind of the, the actionable intelligence on what's on target. Now, speaking from personal experience, you know, we, we did operations where our intelligence was spot on. And there were times where we did uh, operations where the intelligence was woefully inaccurate. Uh, you know, and, and that's kind of the, the dice roll that you take with any of these things is that it's always... From a collateral damage standpoint, I would say generally speaking, not always, uh, it's it's a better mechanism to to send human beings there to execute a mission because they're they're thinking on target. Now it doesn't mean that it can't go wrong where civilians are using uh, or being used as shields or kids get blown up or, or things of that nature. But you at least have a an interactive component on the ground that that can make decisions. Uh, whereas you know once once the trigger is pulled on a on a drone hellfire uh, you know that that's it so um, <clears throat> you know when it comes to to things like this it, it's it's generally um, regarded as, as the better decision for the big picture to to send people now the the obvious drawback is that what if some of our our guys get lost 
Mm-hmm. My my perception of especially how this administration would would view that is that uh, that that's not a huge consideration on their part. It's a hundred percent. How is it going to make us look good or? Uh, you know what? What is the PR going to be based on on something like this happening? And Mike, and, uh, you, sorry, the, the human capital. Yeah, um, I have is a two part question. Um, well, first, let me give a, a retraction. I, I believe I called uh, Aleppo the uh, capital of uh, of Syria. It's Damascus, but I, it's a major city. And either yeah. way, I don't want to get you know slammed sc- in the slammed comments. in the comments. This guy doesn't want to talk about. Don't read them. Exactly. Read the God, no, believe me, I don't. My question to you is <laughs> regarding our allies. We know who our enemies are, the ISIS-K, the ISIS, you know, the Taliban, the list goes on and on and on. Who are our biggest allies in the Middle East, right? And where are they housed? Like, where did these, where were these guys based out of? Obviously, we know Israel. Mm -hmm. Who else is on our list of allies? We know the enemies. Who are the allies? So, so to me, it's, it's kind of a tough question because it depends on, on what position you take and, and who you are, even within our government. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that, Jordan historically has been what I would consider probably our biggest ally in the region uh, outside of Israel. Um, I, I don't think Saudi, for a number of, of reasons, which would be its own episode by itself, uh, <laughs> you know, doesn't have any of our best interests in mind, 9-11 being a, a clear-cut example. And, and all the rest of the countries, it's... It's not that black and white as far as just like with with our country, right, is that you've got even within our government, you've got mm-hmm. people on polar opposite right. spectrums of. So there's no countries other than Israel or Jordan you would put on that list. Yeah. What about regions or types like the Kurds? We'd always hear about the Kurds are great fighters and they were fighting yeah. against. Yeah, the, ISIS. the northern third of Iraq is, is generally a, a considerable ally for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've turned our back on them a few times and, and totally sold them out. So. You know, to to say that they're our, our, a staunch ally and we can right. depend on them, I wouldn't say. Well, I remember that Trump caught a lot of heat about pulling out and basically sent. People don't recall as much heat as Biden took in Afghanistan for the sloppy withdrawal. There was a brief period of time where Trump was taking a lot of heat from abandoning the Kurds, not as big as Afghanistan, because though people don't know that, but do you recall that? Not really, um, you know, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's the media portion. I don't know. I, you know, to me, the 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 abandonment of them happened well before he got in office. I mean, it happened four years prior to that. It happened, in my opinion, midway through Obama's term. So, to me, to to pin pin that on uh, on Trump, I think is uh, is disingenuous because it's the the rise of of ISIS took place halfway through Obama's term with without question mm-hmm. so when he called them the JV uh, yeah and, and he just you know he pulled basically all all of the the territory that we had territory uh, you know all of the regions and, and areas in Iraq that we had fought so hard to secure just like we did in Afghanistan and basically just pulled everybody back uh, withdrew almost every troop from from the region and just let uh, ISIS steamroll through there and and uh, just, I mean, the things that they did there was, I mean, hard to even wrap your mind around. And, and that took place for years before Trump came Does in Does the United States always, always, always need to have a presence in the Middle East? I don't Is think there, so. No, really? I, I don't think so. No, I, I mean, I, I take much more of a, I would say, bordering on isolationist viewpoint uh, in terms of foreign policy at this point. I mean, to me, I, I reduce, or I, I tend to reduce foreign policy all the way down to such a micro level like a bar fight. Right. And to me, they're they're interchangeable that way is that you're, you're walking uh, by your favorite club. Right. And there's a huge fight going on. Now you can walk in there and you can help 
the guy that has four dudes pinning him down and bashing his head in, or you can help the woman that's getting slapped around, you know, whatever it is. Just by walking in there, you're going to piss somebody off. No matter who you help, you're going to piss somebody off and you're going to create enemies, right? And, and so to me, I, I think World War II is the most clear-cut example on how to handle things at a, at a geopolitical or international level where you don't get involved until you have to, but when you do, you take the fucking gloves off and you go over there until the job is done and, and you do whatever is necessary to come to Sherman style from the Civil War. But isn't that what we did for, no. after 9-11? For about, we were kind of out yeah, of Afghanistan. About two months. We were out of Afghanistan. No, we had no involvement I mean, so, in Afghanistan, so, and then we went. No, Qatar, Bahrain, Saudi. I mean, exercises in Jordan, uh, joint operations in Israel. We, we've been heavily footprinted in the Middle East way more than we need to be for decades. I mean, it, it started back in, in honestly when when the first Persian Gulf uh, War took place, and, and you know we got bombed in in Saudi Arabia for being there. I mean, that that's really when when it really started, in my opinion, where. Uh, the hardline groups, specifically Al Qaeda, I mean that that was born out of Saudi allowing us to have troops in in the region uh, to defend Kuwait. It, that pissed Osama bin Laden off to the point where he, he created Al Qaeda because of that. So, um, you know, to me, there, there's been a lot of involvement that we've had that's that's unnecessarily created problems that uh, um, you know that that we're we're still paying for and probably will people for decades. Fear the United States military? For sure, they do. I they mean, do a hundred percent. And even just as recent as seven months ago, that the fact that we had twenty five hundred troops in Afghanistan and they still weren't doing anything until Biden was like, "Yeah, we're actually leaving," and they closed down the airbase. Mm-hmm. That the fact that that just twenty five hundred troops held the uh, the Taliban at bay because you, you saw how fast they took the country over. Right. It was supposed to be months, and then it right. literally was days. It wasn't 2,500 troops. It was the fact that we still had a presence there, and they knew if, if they tried to do that while we still were taking the stance of we are here, that it would have been 2.0 Afghanistan. We would have come back in, and, and they would have paid for it. I mean, you can see it in their operations with um, attacking certain bases and, and knowing when, you know how long they have before you know close air support is going to be there. I mean, there, there's a healthy respect for it, or they would have done what they did seven months ago, 18 years ago. <clears throat> there's a reason they didn't do it that entire time. Got it. How, how worried should we be that we left behind, what was it, $80 billion of military equipment? I mean, at this point, to, to be worried about it, I think, is fruitless. But uh, is it is it a kick in the gut? Yes, absolutely. Uh, do I think that they're going to take those assets and, and now – you know, uh, launch attacks in, into America? No, I don't. I think it sucks. Is it going to turn them into a, an overnight success? No, it isn't. I mean, if you look at, at how much money we put into forces in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and doing, you know, foreign internal defense with a lot of other countries over there, um, you know, we, we've spent at this point trillions of dollars on equipment and training. I mean, I, I've worked with guys b- before. To have the capabilities that the United States has takes a, a whole nother level of uh, generational dedication that, that just isn't there, you know. So, am I worried about it? Ultimately, no. Does it piss me off? Yes, it does. By the way, while this whole thing's going on, the story comes out from the Washington Free Beacon about Iran being weeks away from having full fuel to power atomic bomb. Uh, State Department warns Iran will have enough uh, uh, fissile material enriched to weapon grade capacity in weeks, not months. A senator, a senior State Department official, said Monday following the conclusion of another round of indirect talks with Iran and world powers in Vienna. Following 10 months of negotiations, the State Department says diplomacy 
uh, diplomacy will cease in the coming weeks, whether Iran takes a deal or not. This is because the Biden administration assesses that Iran's nuclear program will have become so advanced that re-entering the 2015 nuclear accord will provide no benefits to U.S. and global national security in the re- years since Trump withdrew from the deal, Iran has enriched uranium, the key component in a bomb, so extremely high levels of purity. Negotiations are paused as Iranian diplomats travel back to Tehran to consult with the hardline ruling government. If Iran takes the deal, virtually all U.S. sanctions imposed by Trump administration will evaporate, giving the regime access to billions of dollars of cash. Is that a concern to you with what's going on there with Iran? I mean, it is, but I also think, you know, this is kind of to Adam's question of, of involvement is that you, you really have to decide, do we want them or are we okay with them having this or are we not? If the answer is, is we're not and we need to stop it, then as a country, you have to decide we will do what is necessary to prevent that, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Is that if it's, if it's that red line, like, hey, Iran cannot have the capability to, to have any nuclear capacity whatsoever, if that means that, that we carpet bomb, you know, the, the facilities, we, you know, what, whatever it, it takes, intelligence-based, uh, you know, wise, is that that's what you do. You know, no, again, no different than Afghanistan, Iraq, World War II, whatever, is, is that, you know, to me, the cat and mouse aspect of, of the negotiations and, and the accords and the peace deals and the cash and, and all these other things are, are kind of a, a distraction in that you just have to ask yourself, are, are we going to be... Uh, are we going to sit on the sideline while they do it or not? Now, whether or not we, we take action, that, that's a whole other conversation. But I think as a country, there needs to be a decision one way or another, and, and you just do what it is. Here's my question. Say. How do we know? How do we even know that this is taking place right now? Like, how, why is, how do we know that Iran is weeks away from having fuel-to-fuel power atomic bomb? How do we know that? What insider information is Iran, le- Iran leaking to us? They're not going to leak anything to the states. No, I mean, so this is where, you know, uh, I'll be careful in how I tread on, on what I say, but uh, there, there are intelligence assets that, that provide the capabilities through a, a number of resources, and that's electronic, human, uh, you know, traditional spying, uh, you know, communications, intelligence, et cetera. Uh, all kind of coupled together to, to make determinations and assessments like that. Uh, but that, that's really all. How, how deep are we as, uh, 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 and I'm going to go a little bit deeper you, 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 to hear what you're going to say about this. How deep is U.S., whether you want to put CIA or, you know, whatever you want to call it, in Iran to constantly gather intel and send it to us? Are we pretty involved heavily there or it's mild? I, I would say, uh, again, not, not having um, maybe as intimate not as knowledge as maybe you would assume. But what I do know is, is just, again, from having uh, you know, a lot of friends that do, do things like that and, and having worked in that capacity is that there are always people involved in, in all of the kind of big actors. And, and that's in every one of those capacities that I just mentioned. It's signal intelligence. It's communications. It's human. It's all of those things. And so... You know, the, the the United States has has this map of okay, here are all the the major concerns, and then they dedicate assets based on the same way, say, an ER doctor would triage a, an emergency room after an accident. Is that this is the biggest threat? This you know, and they're they're allocating resources based on that. So, without a doubt, there is is 
moderate, um, you know, to to heavy involvement in uh, every capacity that, that we have the ability to be involved in in that country specifically. And also, also don't forget, I mean, our our <laughs> position keeps changing, whether it was the uh, Biden who led the charge on the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, Trump pulled out, you know, now Biden is getting back in it, whatever it is. But there's one thing that has not wavered, and that's Israel. Yeah. Our stance has changed here in the United States. Israel is dead set on Iran not being a nuclear power. So whether that's them taking out scientists, taking out plants, like they are not playing around. They do not want Iran to have this nuclear power. Yeah, I mean, it's a much bigger threat to them than it is to us. 100%. Maybe, yeah. You know, I mean, they're, yeah, they're right well, there. Well, so. obviously, the, the Iranian rhetoric is sure. we're going to wipe them off the map. They don't want Israel to exist. Yeah, I mean, no different than if, uh, you know, say China built a, uh, an air force base in, in Tijuana, right? Oh, like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're going to be yeah. a lot more bent uh, about that than Israel is mm-hmm. because it's right there, you know. Or, if, or in if, Cuba, the Cuban yeah, Missile or, Crisis, or anything Russia, like that. Or, if, yeah, if Russia has a... Um, you know, an, an amphibious assault group or a, an aircraft carrier, yeah. uh, you know, 30 miles off the coast of California, you know, is Israel going to say, yeah, that that's messed up and that we don't think they should do that or whatever? Probably. Are they going to be as worried about it as we are? Absolutely not. You know, Geographically, so. the United States has to just be I mean, we're, very lucky that we're no, not in sure. the middle of all this nonsense in the Middle East, Eurasia, yeah. anything like that. Yeah, I mean, ge- geographically, it, it certainly uh, is at our advantage. I will say the, the more technologically advanced the human race becomes, the less mm-hmm. that matters. Uh, whether it's cyber attacks or satellite stuff, shit coming, you know, lasers from outer space type stuff, the, the, the more and more capable human beings become from from a technology standpoint it, it, it's not going to matter as much it already doesn't i mean china has the ability to do what they do as well as russia i mean they've they've made our lives uh, pretty difficult over the last decade both of them uh, from without ever even having to come here you know so uh, it still plays a role i'd still <laughs> i'd still rather have a, a geographical advantage than not um you know but that that gap is shortening year after year you know, you, you wonder when you think about this stuff, like even with Iran, because Iran signed a 25-year, $400 billion deal with China, right? That's the deal that they signed when they uh, uh, said, hey, you want to do this, Trump? We're going to go take advantage of this and get with China. And China is the number one competitor to uh, U.S. Do you think today's administration of Iran cares whether they have a good relationship with U.S. or not? Like, do you think they wake up in the morning no. saying, okay, let's have a meeting. Guys, let's figure out a way how we can be better with U.S. you nah. think they give a shit at all? I would say it's probably the opposite, is that they're, right. they're trying to come up with ways to piss us off, get under our skin, and, and degrade the I relationship agree. with us. I yes. totally agree. Okay, so if that's the case, and, and they're saying, well, we're going back to see 10 months of negotiation, State Department <laughs> says, the uh, diplomacy will cease with coming weeks after they're going to go back to Tehran. You think they care? Like, no. you think they're sitting there saying, hey, boss, uh, we have to improve this relationship with the U.S. or else we're going to lose. Pat, I, can I, I don't ask think you a, a yeah. personal question? Yeah, go for it. Being born in Iran yeah. and being a proud Iranian, born in Iran, made in America, serving in the military, yep. being a world-class entrepreneur— when you hear these types of stories or just Iran comes up, how does that make you feel just as a, as a citizen? Yeah. All I think about is progress. All I think about is I got kids that I'd like to show them that I was raised on a street called Hojat. I want to take them to Bandar Pahlavi, Port of Pahlavi, to show them Caspian Sea. I want to take them to Jam Hospital where I was born. I want to take them to the kebab place we would go to, Ruch. I want to take them to the city, Gandhi. You know, I want to take them. I want to go show them those places. 
I can't. I want to take them to Esfahan, which is the only place we went on vacation with my mom and dad when they were married to each other. I, I, I listened to the song by Moin, who's a famous Persian singer who sings a song saying, My heart wants me to return back to Esfahan. It's the only vacation I ever went, went to. It's a great song. It's a very uh, heartfelt song. I, I, I love that song. So I, I think about progress for me to go. I'm, I want to go visit Iran tomorrow. I want to go see what that place is at tomorrow. Uh, I, I remember going to the Shah's uh, castles and mansions and visiting it and touring and seeing all these pictures being upside down. That's what I think about. So for me, every time I hear stories like this, I think to myself, we're going backwards. Because remember the Green Party? Was it the Green Party in Iran that was trying to do a coup? Do you remember the Green Party? Uh, uh, can you pull up Iran Green Party? It was something like that. The Green Movement or Green Party that had something that was going on. Iran... Uh, 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 Green Party of Iran, yeah, they, they, were, they were pushing back to get Iran to be free again. You saw them at uh, the embassy. You were seeing them everywhere. And they were making some progress. Under Trump, there was a minute where the people of Iran could have revolted to change things. But every time it happens, a president changes. I think if Trump would have stayed president for eight years and he would have just kept going. If you remember gas prices at one point. We're so expensive. People just stood there, not even driving. They're like, I can't afford to buy gas. I don't in know. Iran? In, you, you don't remember this? Like a year and a half ago. It was so bad. People just are walking. They're like, I can't. How am I going to pay for this gas price? Well, the sanctions were out of control. It was at, time. But the point is, as much as you're saying, well, the sanctions were out of control, if the current regime in Iran falls, mm -hmm. somebody has to replace it. And that somebody that replaces is hoping to be a different philosophy with relationships with neighboring countries like Israel would be better, with U.S. would be better, and it would be back and forth, but it's not been like that since 1978. Yeah, I want to go to Iran tomorrow, but I can't go to Iran tomorrow. So if my, my motives are a different motive mm -hmm. than maybe the average person's motive that's worried about the fact that we keep Ghassam Soleimani and, hey, these guys are going to retaliate and do another 9-11 yeah. to U.S. I'm coming from a different well, standpoint. Where does, because you're a Christian. And I don't know what percentage of Iran are Christians. I, I'm sure 1% is less than you know, Jewish, is less than 1%. But they are the stronghold of, hold of <clears throat> Shiites in the Middle East. And the rest of the Middle East is, for the most part, Sunni. How does that weigh into their relationships with the rest of the Middle East, uh, being, a, being the Shiite stronghold in the Middle it's East? It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy because some people don't want the revolution to happen. Some people want it to stay the way it is. Uh, and the reality of it is, in order for revolution to happen... It's going to cost a lot of people's lives. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be very ugly for that to be taking place. And, you know, as a parent, think about your mom, your dad, and you got kids, okay? And you're sitting there, and you want a revolution to happen. You want Iran to go. Let's just say you're 70 years old. You remember when Iran was amazing. You're 50 years old. You remember when Iran was great. You wanted to go back to that, but at the same time, to go back to that, you encourage your kids too much to be radical and take a stand, do you really want to have some bad news of somebody, you know, giving you a call saying, hey, here's what happened to your kid? Your fear is what they're going to do to your kids. So you almost discourage your kids of wanting to revolt. Remember, this guy who got raided from ISIS was willing to take a life of his wife and his kids and himself to not give you the victory. That is so radical if you think about that. I mean, to, to, to be willing to do something like that, I don't think the reasonable people on the opposing side 
are willing to risk their kids having to go out there protesting and God forbid somebody gets killed. So they're like, listen, guys, it's not worth it. Let's just let's just be okay. It's not a big deal. So they're not pushing back. What would a revolution even look like in Iran? Because correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the people have access to guns. It's not like no, they have no, a second no, amendment. The only here. way it happens is with help. You're not going to do it without help. There has to be another country that's helping. It's not going to happen just by the people. What, providing ammunition, guns, military support? It's everything. involvement. Everything. Yeah, it's heavy-duty heavy involvement. It's not, you're, you're, the people won't be able to do it. Are there, uh, do you have relatives that are still there that you keep in contact with? Uh, I do, yes. From my mother's side, we have relatives there. Is, is it uh, difficult or, like, does that come up at all where you talk about kind of the, the pulse of what's going on there? And, and we, we don't really talk about any of that stuff. When I, mean, we, I suppose they can't probably, right? I mean, it's being monitored. And, no, you don't want to put them at risk yeah. if you even if you even think about having those types of conversations. Now, yeah. you, but, but here's what's interesting. Like, today I'm talking about this, right? I'm probably going to get 50 messages on Instagram or Twitter or some social media platform of Iranians that are listening to our podcast through a VPN underground system and they're sending messages. Hey, keep talking about this stuff because we're listening. Hey, keep talking about this stuff because we're listening. But, you know, in order for that to happen, you need an administration that doesn't look at them and say, hey, you know, this is let's just negotiate with them. The, the, you, it's very hard to negotiate with reasonable people. It's very, unreasonable. very unreasonable people. Very hard. Yeah. When you're negotiating with unreasonable people, no progress is going to take place. These guys are not reasonable people. Well, th and this is where you need, <clears throat> to Adam and to Mike's point, this is where you need Israel to step up and the, the peace accords that have come through in the Middle East that Israel's making because everybody's biggest fear right now is Iran. That's where you need these people to step up so we don't have to. You know? Well, Israel has done plenty of stuff. I mean, Israel will go take out scientists. Israel is not afraid. Israel is the kind of place that they'll, they'll play the proxy, but they're not afraid to play the direct Without a proxy, I don't know if that makes sense. Like yeah. they're not trying to use somebody. They're else still to relying on us to to take charge and they take are, the lead. but they'll still come at you as well as, as well and say, "I did it." They'll, they'll do we, it alone we, yeah. if, if we don't. Yeah. Like especially with with this, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if you see a, a legit, like you said, "This is us, and we're not not trying to hide it." You know, attack on uh, on different whether it's nuke sites or or scientific scientist locations or, or what have yeah. you. So it'll be interesting to see yeah. what happens. All I know is I'd love to see Iran open up so we can go tour and show the entire place and see how beautiful of a country Iran is. You, so, know, you, you go to a lot of museums, there's a like 100-year-old building, 200-year-old building. You go to right. Iran, like 3,000-year-old building. Right. Yeah. Studio. I, I am curious, like, from, from kind of a, an investment standpoint here, like, do you think it's worth the United States getting involved at that level? Uh, like not, what, not right now, yeah. because it's 25 <laughs> years, $400 billion with China. Is it worth paying more than $400 billion? No. Uh, Iran's the, the day Iran signed that 25-year, $400 billion, we probably lost Iran for a few decades. I guess, I mean, an investment from a, a blood and treasure standpoint, uh, like the, the sacrifice that it would take for the United States to actually get involved and in, in overthrow the, the regime. There. It's not worth it yeah. because the only way to be worth it is in the following way. So here, here's the only strategy. Again, I'm, in, uh, I'm, I'm not involved in any kind. This is just I'm thinking like a strategist is you need a, a, a couple things in place. You need a Trump-like personality that is hurting China first, okay? Hurting China first. China has to feel the pain. Then U.S. has to say, if you don't pull out of this deal with Iran, we're going to increase the tariffs to 40%. So then China says, 
China, the, the announcement comes out saying China pulled out of the Iran deal for 25 or 400 billion dollars. That's progress. Do you remember when Huawei, do you remember the company Huawei? Do you remember when every day everything we talked about was Huawei, 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 5G, Huawei, Huawei. Do you remember that whole story with Telecommunications, Huawei? Telecommunication. And then one day, what does Trump do with Huawei? Bans the phone. You remember Huawei, the, the, we were one of their bigger markets. They were growing here, they were exploding. And then do you remember the situation where the Huawei CFO, who happens to be the daughter of the owner, who in Canada got caught, do you remember that story mm-hmm. in Canada she got caught? And then she had dealings doing a deal with Iran. Huawei was. Do you remember this whole story or no? Vaguely. Type in Huawei, CFO, Canada, Iran. Huawei, CFO, Canada, Iran. And type in Iran as well. Uh, Dealing. Okay. Mengzu can return to China, admits helping Huawei conceal dealings in Iran. There you go. This was a story. Washington Po Wapo. What date was this? National Security go up a little bit. Uh, do you see the date? September 2021. Yeah, this is not that long ago. This is five months ago. This is six months ago. But this has been going on for a while. So, so the only way it would work is if Trump says, here's more uh, tariffs, here's more tariffs, here's more tariffs. And then China says, screw this guy. You know what, Iran? We're pulling out. Then they pull out. Then his next move would be tariffs to Iran. Then him saying no other Middle Eastern banks can do business with Iran. All the banks tighten up. The people get pissed off with the regime. Of course, they're going to blame U.S. for it. And then at that time, it's like, do we want this regime to be here? Then they revolt. It's like a five-step process of getting there. But it won't happen without China. Yeah, It won't happen without China. So uh, we get them. Uh, uh, then we can do something with Iran. Uh, anyway, other than China, what other country, from a business standpoint, yeah. dealing standpoint, are invested in Iran? Or, or, or is Iran doing business with actively? Let me ask you a question. Who do you think is more, re- this is a pretty weird question to ask. Who's more reasonable, Putin or Xi? <laughs> Who's more reasonable? I have an my answer. Gut, it's not even close. My gut is telling me Putin. It's not even close. I'm telling you, it's not even close. That you think Putin is more reasonable? There is no way it's even close that Putin is more reasonable than she is. There's no way. You're saying she is the least reasonable let, person. Let me ask you a question. Are you more worried about visiting China or Russia? China. By if far. I told you right now, let's go to Moscow, Leningrad for a week for vacation, would you at all be worried? Uh, yeah, I'd be a little worried. What but percentage? I, would, uh, I, I get your point. I, I'm yeah, just saying. Go I, China, I, I would, so let's go to China for a week and do yeah. a vlog or do videos, do some interviews. Yeah. You probably, if I told you right now, hey, you no, know, no, no, uh, no, no. the center of Houston Rockets invited us with Ennis Cantor to go to China to see how great the country is. And then and I say, how are you doing? You'd probably take vacation that week. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, you no. know, but the point being, yeah. I think Putin is more reasonable. So who has incentives? Putin <clears throat> has to be good with Iran still. Not good, but it's right there. So they're dealing there between Caspian Sea and them. Everybody has to figure out a way to be okay with that neighbor because it ain't going away. It's not like it's you're living in a gated community and there's a terrible of a neighbor that is just a mess and you're hoping one day they move. Iran's not going to move. Countries like, in the EU uh, deal with them? Uh, not not as uh, uh, not uh, to the levels of... Because remember, EU, uh, individual countries to deal with Iran have to be also held accountable to the other countries in EU. So you're almost one major country. So... I think it's very different in EU. I may be wrong than it would be in countries that are closer to Iran. But again, I, I would tell you, I think Putin is 10 times more reasonable than she is in China. Do you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I think, uh, you know, for from my standpoint, both countries have a, a level of 
national pride that kind of trumps everything else, the, the way that the United States used to have, you know, uh, and that's why they're, they're emerging as, I think, you know, countries that are going to eclipse us sooner than later. Uh, you could argue that in, in a number of ways China already has. I think they're still dependent enough on us to where they, they couldn't uh, execute certain things that they probably would once they get to that point. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, but both of them, I think, are, uh, while they're hardline guys and they're, you know, the, the pride and, and success of their country is kind of the, the pinnacle of, of what they base all their decisions off of, both of them are also not dumb enough or, or so emotional about those uh, those principles that they have that they're that they're not willing to look at it no different than you did with Iran. Like you have a, I think a natural bias to want to see the United States get involved, but your your non-emotional side says no. You need to do it this way first. You know, whereas most people wouldn't do that. And I think from a leadership standpoint in, in those two countries, that's that's necessary, and that's why they they do the business deals that they do and, and are as successful as they are in, in executing them. Yeah. But by the way, it's. China compared to Russia, it's not even close. No, China, China, I mean, China is a, a hundred x yeah. what, what Russia is in every way. Exactly, and I don't even know what the other than oil industry. What's what kind of industry does Russia have other than oligarchy and vodka. oil? But <laughs> vodka, the vodka is good industry. But China has is in many respects, like you said, Mike, is going to surpass the United States. Keep in mind, they have one point three billion people. Yeah. Um, Russia. Putin is way more, has to be way more of a strategist, you know, ex-KGB, than, I I, than uh, I she so. has to be. I, I wouldn't, I, I think they're both very, very capable in, in that regard. You yeah, know? but China is at least, like you used this analogy before, if there's, a, if there's a poker hand, China at least has a flush or a straight. Putin's playing with like a pair of threes and he's like pretending that he's got, you know, pocket aces. He doesn't have... Yeah. The, the, the economy, hand you think he has. Economy is one thing, which you're right. If you want to show that real quick, Tyler, to uh, validate uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Adam's point, David, if you can put that on the screen and zoom in even a little bit more, you see how big Japan, China is, Japan is, U.S. is, France is, Germany is, Italy is, U.K. is, Canada is. Now mm-hmm. find Russia. I don't find know Russia. if they're what, top 10, and if they are, they're number 10 or 11. It's bo- bottom right. Or, you got you to zoom in like more. The 4 o'clock. Right. Zoom in. Look at right. United States, twenty three trillion. Russia, all the way to the right. Yeah, one point yeah. six five trillion. Four times yeah. bigger than Norway. And okay. US, By the 20- way, where's South Korea on this? Tiny little South Korea. I don't know if you could find it. Yeah, anywhere. top right. One point okay. eight two trillion. One point eight two trillion. Bigger than Russia. Bigger than Russia. Yeah, little ass point. South Korea but, but, has a bigger GDP but now, than but, Russia. Well, now flip this. Now go to uh, uh, world, world leaders with nuclear bombs. World they're, leaders. They're with top nucle- of the list. Okay. No doubt. But you got to realize. I mean, that's that's like say something. You know, look at that. Say something, China. And I click on it too, so you see the rest. Mm-hmm. Go a little lower to see the rest. See, see if there's a leader's bulletin on there. Okay, check that out. All right, so uh, 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 <clears throat> nuclear, what do you see? Uh, uh, U.S. is at the top. I'm curious as to why they're at the top, because both of Russia's numbers are higher. Higher. Go, go, that's not a, uh, go, go to another <clears throat> chart, because this Wikipedia, go to another one. Go back. Go back. There's another one that shows it's a side. Go a little lower. There's one that shows. You can just go to uh, images, uh, I'm sure. Uh, if you go to uh, images, uh, uh, it'll give you a graph. Click on the click on that one right there, armscontrol.org. Let's see what that is. Uh, go a little lower to see if they're ranking it. Because there's right. a better site that shows. There you go. Russia, 6,257. They're okay. the only country that is anywhere near the United States. No, no, and no. They're more. ahead. No, yeah, they're exactly. ahead. Look at, look at U.S. Go a little, go, Tyler, zoom in even more. U.S. is 5550. India is 156. Look at China. 
350. They're third, but mm-hmm. Russia is 20 times more, 18 times more than what China is. So it, Russia knows that they're decades ahead. By the time China mm-hmm. catches a nuclear warheads, you know, World War Three may have taken place yeah. by I mean, the time they try to catch up. You kind of have to ask yourself, though, I mean, at, at what point does it not even matter? I mean, to me, 350 50 nuclear weapons is still enough to kill everybody on the planet. It's who's right? the crazy enough guy yeah. that can pull the well, trigger. Is, is yeah. this one yeah. of those things where the, the best defense is a good offense or the best offense is a good defense where it's like... Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact that... Uh, you know that all these numbers even exist is is proof of that. Is that it's it's a deterrent. Uh, you know, I, I also find it interesting. The United States is the only country that's actually used them. You know, um, but you know, so for us to to meddle the way that we do, I think uh, you know is is a little a little uh, convenient or by, strange. But by the way, the the India Pakistan situation that's going on. I don't know if you have any strong yeah. things about it. They said that's the most dangerous border in the world. They're yeah, both sure. armed nuclearly and yeah. they border each other and they are enemies. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I don't dispute that uh, from, from that standpoint. I mean, I guess the good news is it's it's at least there, you know, uh, as opposed to here. Not that I'd want to see any, any more nuclear weapons being used. But, mm-hmm. but you know, I think back to, to Pat's point is that you know, R- Russia ha- has a, a bigger thorn in the side of, of the entire world that way. You know, like they're they're more capable of causing bigger problems. I think at, at the drop of a hat or in a in a in a heated exchange, uh, more so than probably China is. From a military perspective, for sure. From a economic perspective, well, they are below a yeah. tiny country like well, South Korea. I mean, even militarily, outside of of the the nuke capacity. They're not that capable. Uh, I mean, they're nowhere near as capable as the United States or China. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it, it's the the nuclear stockpile, and that's kind of the great equalizer. I mean, nuclear weapons are kind of the the firearms of of, of countries that way. Uh, if if you kind of parallel it to say a, a seventy year old woman with a with a revolver, I mean, like the the nuclear weapons gives people a stage. That's why Iran is so hell bent on on getting them, is because it. It enters you into a, a realm of respect internationally that, that just doesn't exist in any other way. Mike, do you have any aspirations of getting involved in politics? No. Is this something you're interested in, even a little? Not even a little bit. Why not? No. No. Um, for, well, for a couple of reasons. I mean, one of the things I talk about in my book is uh, is the election process and, and my my views on how I would change that, which I'm happy to share. But the to me, that there's an element of, of even wanting to run for any higher office, I think, should automatically disqualify you for it. Uh, <laughs> How do you mean by that? I, I think there's a level of arrogance and narcissism and, and bordering on there's got to be something wrong with you to want to put you and your family through the process that it takes to get elected. And, and the things that you have to do in terms of getting in bed and getting donations and, and the deals that you have to strike, but that by the time you get to that point... I think you're you're so far removed from the initial reasoning why you started it uh, that that is why you see the the level of corruption and bribery and lobbying that exists in uh, in Washington D.C. Talk, talk about your election. Talk about what which ideas would be in your book. So, the, within the three branches of government, well, let me let me take one step back. Is that you've got um, you know we're so far gone to the point where um, a lot of people talk about you know revolution or these huge you know, red flags as far as the NSA and CIA would be concerned, or FBI, you'd, you'd be labeled a domestic terrorist for even talking about it. So to, to me, the, the happy medium is, is looking at the three branches of government and saying, well, which one is, is the most influential and, <coughs> and from a checks and balances standpoint, the most in, uh, powerful. To me, it's the legislative branch. 
the Supreme Court justices have to be uh, have to go through there. They have the ability to put checks and balances on the president, veto power, executive order, etc. Uh, but the the problem is is that those groups, uh, you know, the the sub five hundred number of people within the the Congress, um, you know, are, are so heavily influenced by that election process that nothing really gets done. The fact that every one of them gets into office and and are worth ten x four years later is, is a huge problem. And so my take is no different than uh, small county Texas of of how they do grand jury selection, is that I think that that you create a a basic checklist of being a net positive member of society. You're up to date on your taxes. You're not a felon. You've lived in that that county or region for X number of years. Uh, You're a net positive on society. And and every one of those people have to come up with, let's say, five names, three names, seven, whatever. And then just like an election, the the tally comes in and, and your vote is on who you think is the best person in that county to represent that county on a national level. Right. And then so now at that point, whoever gets the most votes uh, for for that process now is is the the delegate for that region. And you don't get a choice, just like with jury duty or, or being drafted in the military in Vietnam or whatever. People may say, well, that's unfair. Let's say it's a two year term. We drafted hundreds of thousands of people in Vietnam, 50,000 of which didn't even come home. You know, they didn't get a choice on that jury duty. Some some. Uh, trials last six, eight months, you know, and, and, and you don't get a choice. You, ha- you have to execute that. And so I think to have less than 500 people that, that are so well liked by the, the net positive members of their community, there's no, there's no finances involved. There's no, hey, you donated $2 million, and so when I get in office, this, you know, uh, transport deal that's running through our county is going to go to your brother's construction company. There's none of that because none of that plays a role in, in the initial uh, selection process. Once everybody is is decided, now you you've got the the most accurate, legitimate representation of of your society in the legislative branch. That's the entire representation of of, of the entire nation. At that point, you know th- those people hopefully uh, are are good enough to where they didn't ask for it. They were voted in. They they did it. Uh, you know, kind of almost unwillingly as as a civic duty. And so now they're the ones deciding which justices get in. They're the ones deciding on on how to uh, check and balance the the presidential powers. Is there going to be concerns or or road bumps with that? I'm sure there would be. But to me, shy of completely wiping the whole thing away, I think that that's the the quickest and and most efficient way to to try to hit the reset button on on how our country does its business. So so if that was the case, who would have been the president of the United States? So so it it can't work for the president, right? It can only work for local for local yeah. and, and you know even statewide, we'll say even at a national level. You know that the presidential thing because of the the size of of how that works would still have to be uh at least from my perspective still done essentially how it's done. You know, there's probably a hybrid system, people much smarter than me, that, that could come up with a way to, to maybe even uh, funnel funnel it through the legislative branch at that point is that, uh, you know, maybe it's somebody that, that gets selected from there as, as uh, or, or let's say your, your potential candidates get selected from the legislative branch so that now on a national level, it's at least one of those people that, that has cleared through the check and balance of, of the local local populace and it's not just some asshole that had aspirations to be president from the time he was four and dr eviled his way uh you know all the way uh, through it yeah One million that would be that would be an interesting uh, uh way i do know like uh 
I did a, a, a whole video on how I would change the voting system. My voting system would be uh, uh, slightly different. You as would well. have 10 votes. It, no, my voting system is contribution to society. Mm-hmm. That would be my vote. Yesterday, Bernie Sanders sent out a tweet and he said something about call me radical. Uh, uh, (laughs) he said, uh, uh, he said something about call me radical, but I believe that, um, let me, let me just pull it up and read it to you. Uh, 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 uh. call me radical, but I happen to believe that a job should lift workers out of poverty, not keep (laughs) them in it. A job should lift people out of poverty, not keep them in it. Right. Depends on the job. Exactly. Depends on the job. So I I turned around and I said something different and you can call me radical. Uh, And I said, call me radical, but I happen to believe that America owes me nothing. The system of capitalism attracts good talent. 40 million immigrants had 200 other countries to choose from and they chose America for a reason. No one forced immigrants to come here. They chose America works, right? So for me, uh, I think Anybody that gets elected should have the most contribution to society. And the way you contribute to society is in many different ways. The more you contribute, the more you, you know, you know, the same way how in school somebody wanted to be a president and you had to go do, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, uh, volunteer work. You had to do this. You had to do that. Same thing that he's talking about. Who is liked? Who's contributing? You contribute to get a bigger vote. You don't contribute, you don't get as big of a vote. Now, this may sound a little bit like, well, how about the person that's going to be taken advantage of? There's exceptions to the rule. But anyways, that's a complete difference. We talked about on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. I want to transition to a different topic. Whoopi Goldberg. Let's go to Whoopi Goldberg. Um, Whoopi Goldberg, suspended from The View for Holocaust remarks. This is a variety story, okay? This is a variety story. Um... Whoopi Goldberg has been suspended from The View for two weeks after facing wide criticism for her remarks that the Holocaust was not about race. Goldberg's suspensions, suspension was announced in statement released uh, by ABC News Public Relations Tuesday night. Effectively, immediately, I'm suspending Whoopi Goldberg for two weeks for her wrong and hurtful comments. Read the statement attributed uh, to Kim Godwin, president at ABC. While Whoopi has apologized, I've asked her to take time to reflect and learn about the impact of her comments. The entire ABC News organization stands in solidarity with our Jewish colleagues, friends, family, and communities. Goldberg's remarks emerged during a conversation on Monday's broadcast of The View, in which co-hosts discussed a Tennessee school board's bands of uh, mouse, a nonfiction uh, graphic novel about cartoonist Art uh, Spiegelman's father's experience surviving the Holocaust. Let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race, said Goldberg. Uh, This is white people doing it to other white people. The Holocaust isn't about race. It's about a man's inhumanity to man. Adam. I'm assuming you've seen her comments and the banter yeah. back and forth. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, um, well, this might shock you. I don't watch The View, so it's not what? like I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, I know, I know. Jedediah was I do like Jedediah. You I don't do, have I, to lie. I, right. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, of Whoopi or, or Joy Behar, but is there any person who's more confused than Whoopi Goldberg? Her last name is Goldberg. That's pretty Jewy, if you ask me. Uh, but yet she's not Jewish, but she kind of hijacked the Jewish name to kind of be more palatable to Hollywood, I guess. I don't know, understand, but she, she's black, but not saying that you can't be black, can't be Jewish. But then I don't. It, she, I think she's not a lesbian, but she kind of looks like one. I don't know. I don't want to get canceled, but I don't know what she's got going on. But the naivete of her and the comments and then... Her co-host just kind of sitting back and letting her go deeper and deeper 
and not being like, hey, Whoopi, do you want to just kind of back up a second? They just, they, they let her kind of hang herself and they gave her the rope. Um, then she went on Colbert and doubled down on the comments. I don't know if you saw that. And yeah. Colbert just kind of sat there and was like, okay, coming up on break. Anything uh, else you want to say? Anything else. And then I think someone ultimately got to her and they were like, Whoopi, I don't know what the hell you're doing or Be what quiet. you're thinking, just but just shut up and yeah. read this script. Yeah. And then she came out and she's like, I, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, do understand that racism exists. And, you know, these are my words that I'm scripted. And so, again, not a fan of The View. I don't watch the show. I, this is sort of the trickle-down effect of hearing it by hearsay. But what I will say about Hitler is he looked <laughs> at, at the Jews as non-human. <laughs> that was his whole thing. And as a Jew, it's funny because I don't know many Jews who just consider themselves to be just white. Again, Jews in general, you, there's Ashkenazi Jews who are basically, uh, that's me, out of the Eastern Europe, Poland, Russia, Finland, Germany, that area of the country. Then there's Sephardic Jews out of Morocco, uh, the Middle East, Iran, for an example. And then you know, there's Ethiopian Jews. They're basically, you know, just south of Israel in the Middle East. So, to be Jewish is not just a religion, it's a culture, it's an ethnicity, it's, it's, it's sort of all-encompassing. I don't know many Jews that, even if they're white, are like, yeah, I'm just a white guy. Um, th there is something unique about being Jewish. And the, her comments were, what exactly? The Holocaust isn't about race. It's about all that. It's about inhumanity, it's about race, it's about ethnicity, it's about white power, white supremacy, Judaism, Arianism. Uh, it's never good to start making these types of comments, and this is an example why. Now, I'm glad that she's not canceled for good. She's, what, suspended for two weeks? Should she be canceled? I do not think she should, should be canceled. Should she be fired? I do not think she should what be fired. What did Roseanne Barr say when she got fired? What did Roseanne say when she got fired? I'm curious. Oh, when she said... Uh, what did Roseanne say? She obviously made some What some was comments. her comment when she got fired? Go, go right there, tweet, Roseanne Barr, uh, uh, right there, show is being canceled. Oh, she talked about Valerie Jarrett and looking so, kind of like a monkey or something, like an ape. Okay. Is that what it was? Can you figure out a way to find that, the tweet? Just, you know, just go to images. Just go to images. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. It'll show the tweet. Is this what it's like when he drives as you guys bark in order? Listen, man, <laughs> you know what it is? This is like, go left. No, no, go right. Go so it's, it's probably just as frustrating but, on Tyler as it is on us. But think about it. Just from before we find this tweet. Click on that. Oh, you got it. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I apologize to Valerie. No, no, I don't no, want that's to apologize. Not her what apology. is the, the the main one? Look at the uh, Muslim Brotherhood Planet Apes. Muslim Brotherhood Planet Apes had a baby because Valerie Jared. Exactly. Okay. What do you what do you think about? Is that a fireable offense? Look, man. I think we're so a quick. comedian saying that. Would no, you say I, Roseanne's a comedian? I don't. I don't yes. Uh, a non-funny one, but yeah, she. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, so, but she's a comedian, right? Yeah. So she made a comment like that, which, by the way, that's a stupid comment to make. Well, like, and she was also on the sleeping pills. I forget what they're called. It, it, and, whatever yeah. you're on, though. But, but that's a dumb comment right. to make. Okay, there's nothing about this that to me it's funny. <clears throat> that's not funny to me when I hear that. Right now, if somebody thinks it's funny, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And what Whoopi said, it, it, obviously, she's she wasn't trying to be funny. She was just, no. she talked like she believed what she was talking about. 
What, what's funny is Whippy used to be a comedian. I don't know if anyone yeah, would define her as a comedian. Not these today. Days. She's too serious. She's too bitter. Yeah, she seems bitter. upset. I, I don't know Something what's going happened. on with her. But think about this for a yeah. second. Here's the reason that that you know we talk about Joe Rogan being canceled. I think more than anything, the First Amendment it doesn't. It, it, it's not there for the speech you want to hear. It's for the speech that you don't want to hear, and that's the yeah. whole point of the First Amendment. And just the the, the knee jerk reaction to cancel somebody. At the very least, now you can learn and people around you can learn. You know, like, uh, this is a off topic, but remember when Michael Vick was basically dogs. removed from the NFL? Yeah. Oh, by the way, that's another fighting? one for changing your reputation. He's actually shown back in the media that's right now. That's my point, yeah. is that you can learn and get smarter and better and improve. That's and what now, Sharon Stone said And now he's, well. really, and now yeah. he's an advocate for dogs. I mean, I'm sure this is this this is something that probably hits close but, to home for you and by, not dog fighting. By the way, can you do me a favor? Type in Sharon Stone cancel culture. She may have explained cancel culture better than anybody else I've heard. Sharon Stone out of everybody. Uh, okay, click on that so we can read it. Uh, 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 make it, uh, see if you can find her comments. According to, uh, she believes if someone says something or behaves in a way that you are displeased with, you can always try and understand each other. You can learn to respect each other's opinion on different matters. She further explained that people have struggled and done so much for you to cancel the person all because they uh, did something you are not happy with. Go lower, uh, go lower, go lower to read the rest of it. Yeah, no, no. She didn't just express her opinions on the sake of internet validation for the sake of going against multitude. Once a profound reaction <laughs> comments. On, so Anyways, she, she keeps continuing going saying, how are we supposed to learn of each other if we don't argue, how are we supposed to learn more about each other where you say something I'm offended with, I gotta go do the research, mm -hmm. right? The part that here becomes a concern is the following. I got a question, I'm curious to know what you're gonna say. So what is a bigger crime, okay? What is a bigger crime? What is more offensive? Is it a bigger crime to ask tough questions everyone's thinking about? Or is it a bigger crime to make dumb statements? What's a bigger crime? Is it a bigger crime for me to ask, uh, you know, someone, a direct question, uh, you're dating and you're sitting there, you're getting to the point that you're thinking about, you know, maybe I'm going to call this guy my, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend. Is it dumber to say, hey, let me ask you a question. Last two relationships, how come they didn't work out? Looks like both of them left you. Why did they leave you? Okay. That's a tough question. Or is it worse to say, you're such a dog? Okay. What's, what's worse? Well, to, to number me, it's two. neither. Yeah. Uh, to me, to me, it's honestly neither as it relates to both that that question and and these is that I think we're we're the majority of of society who gets up in arms on either side of the table on stuff like this can't differentiate between something that they don't like and something that legitimately harms them, uh, and and I think that that's the the benchmark that that everybody should try to adhere to when it comes to stuff like this. I don't think anybody should be canceled or fired or, or whatever for stuff like this, especially when it's somebody who is in in the media. You know, if you're a comedian, you're an entertainer, you're a big personality on social media, whether it's Twitter or you have your own radio show or whatever it is, is that you are out there in the public expressing your opinions and views and, and people have the ability to just not fucking watch you if they, if they don't like it. I mean, to me, the NFL is the same way. Uh, you know, taking a knee or, or some of the other controversies that yeah. they've had is that I, I don't think it should be outlawed. Does it piss me off? It does. But I, I have the choice to either watch the NFL or not watch the NFL. And I think it's the same with The View. I think it's the same with comedians. I think it's the same with listening to Joe Rogan. To me, with all this stuff, it, it's really that black and white is, is that 
it's either all or nothing. You know, you either decide we're going to dictate what everybody can say and, and then we don't have a democracy, a freedom, freedom of speech, anything, or, or you don't and you let people do what they're going to do and you choose to, to listen or not. I'll take a different angle with this one. Okay, I'll take a different angle with this one with Whoopi. Okay. I think Whoopi so necessary for media. I think she is so necessary. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people don't like her, but I think Whoopi needs to be there because Whoopi is uh, uh, pushing buttons to get others to sit there and say, what the hell is she talking about? I think she needs to stay. I think Whoopi, the way she handled Mel Gibson, when Mel Gibson made the comments, this was in 2010 or 2011 when The View, that's a long time ago. Type in Mel Gibson, uh, The View, Whoopi, and see what year comes up. It could have been 2010, 2011. And she said, look, I, I don't know what happened there. But here's what I can tell. 2010, when she made that, right there, the, uh, Whoopi defends Goldberg, 2010. Go to the bottom one, CBS News. Yeah, when she defended, Whoopi Goldberg defends Mel Gibson on The View. Okay, so go up. And if you guys remember, this was not like a, she says, I don't like what he did here. But I know Mel, and I know he's not racist. The View on the Monday, he may be a bonehead. I can't sit and say that he's a racist. Having spent time with him in my house with my kids, if someone's kicking your behind and punching you while you're holding your kid, you don't go to the cops first. You go to Raider Online, Goldberg said. Anyway, so, so, you know, Mel made a few comments, and she defended him, okay? She just kind of came out and said, I don't know. And then, by the way, there was another guy who was a, a very big actor. He was on there as well, full-on Republican. He was on The View, and he disagrees with uh, Whoopi. So I think Whoopi has friends on the opposing side, mm-hmm. but I just think she made a very bonehead uh, uh, mistake with the comments she make, and you have to realize that Hollywood is ran by mm-hmm. Jews. So you you're making a comment to the point where a lot of these executives, you know, the whole history of Hollywood started by who? So the, you you just got to be very careful with some of the comments you're making. But I don't <clears> think <throat> she needs to be canceled. I think she needs to stay on the view. On, on but knowing what's going on today, if I'm a betting man, I'm leaning more towards her getting fired than her not getting fired. You're shaking your head. For a minute, we didn't think Cuomo was going to get fired. He did. For a minute, we didn't think Zucker would ever get fired. He did. For a moment, we thought Chris Cuomo would never get fired. He did. These are all people on the left, by the way. So, so to have your own selective hearing conservative side to say they would never fire her, they would keep her, I think they're probably leaning towards firing her. I hope they don't. But what's the benefit of... Firing Whoopi. They, I, we did it. We, yeah, I mean, we the, got rid of her. I, I Dumb it, comments will no longer happen. Like, we, you're never going to create a safe space. At, that you're never going to create this echo chamber that everybody gets to hear everything that they want and no disagreement and no arguments. That's the whole point of what we're doing here in America is that we're never going to always get along. But right. talk it out. Figure it out. And if everyone just if doesn't feel safe to say what's on their mind, now we're not basically living under the first amendment and freedom of speech and now it's like you're walking on eggshells i don't want to say that here are my thoughts and then it just becomes a china thing or an iran thing where you can't even yeah. say what's on your fucking mind and that's crazy and the best thing that'll come after this whoopee thing just like the michael vick thing is that she'll learn from it and that the people will be like whoopee you got to understand that this and it should be and, and and only progress will happen from this not saying what's yeah. on your mind, no progress will know, happen. Do you know the Jewish Holocaust Museum reached out to her to say, we'd like to invite you the here. The Simon Wiesenthal Center? Yeah, they invited. Which is they invited said, we would love place. to invite you to come here. Let us share with you the history. Yeah. I think if Whoopi goes there and she shows the effort, I think that's a great example yeah. for Americans. I wonder if, if they addressed it as, dear Mrs. Goldberg, 
Would you like to? <laughs> the irony here. Oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so let's go to the story with this leads me to the next story. There's this guy, uh, I don't know if you follow his content. His name is Joe Rogan. And he, never heard of him. Yeah, he's, he, he, he does, he talks and he asks questions and some people follow his content. Yeah. Uh, not that many. Apparently like he's a big deal. 11 million to 50 yeah. million people. I don't know if you know this, to his but stuff. I'm kind of a big deal. And he kind of <laughs> he, he beats everybody in mainstream media. And uh, by you know, 10x. yeah, by, by a lot, and they're not happy about it. Stelter, what's his name? Brian Stelter, who cannot stand uh, Rogan. <laughs> but let me kind of give you an idea what's going on with Saki yesterday, okay? So, first, I'll read the Spotify story, then I'll go to the Saki story. Spotify responds to Joe Rogan uproar and growing trend and controversial content. This is a Polygon story. If you want to go to page four, page four. So, um, uh, 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 uh. Last week, after a series of open letters to Spotify, imploring the streaming audio side to cut host Joe Rogan loose from its podcast roster over vaccinated-related misinformation, legendary music legend, mu- musician Neil Young voluntarily removed his music from the platform. The uproar caused by Young's protest prompted uh, Spotify to finally issue a statement on Sunday, on January 30, in a blog post credited to Spotify founder Daniel Ek. Uh, Spotify announced that it was working to add a content advisory to any podcast episode that includes a discussion of COVID-19, which when implemented, direct listeners to COVID hub where they can find updates from BBC, Political, CNN, and other mainstream news outsources. Look at the number, names they took. BBC, Political, CNN. Mm-hmm. All left-leaning. A decade ago, we created Spotify to enable the work of creators around the world to be heard and enjoyed by listeners around the, uh, the world. To our very core, we believe that listening is everything. Pick almost any issue you will find most people's opinions on either side. Personally, there are plenty of individuals and views on Spotify that I disagree with strongly. We know we have a critical role to play in supporting creator expression while balancing it with the safety of our users. If that critical, if that in that role, it is important to me that we don't take any position uh, of being content censors while also making sure that there are rules in place and consent consequences for those who violate them. Okay, so now here's a kicker, Adam. This is the one that I was telling you about earlier. Mm-hmm. Spotify initially announced in response in Young that uh, the company had great responsibility in balancing both safety for listeners and freedom of creators and had removed 20,000 podcast episodes related to COVID since the start of the pandemic. But after the episode purge, Spotify left up GRE 1757 with Dr. Robert Malone, whose claims of mass societal hypnosis and comparisons of the pandemic response to Holocaust prompted over 200 medical professionals, et cetera, et cetera. So that's Spotify's position. Then Saki comes out, and I'll get your thoughts. Jen Saki cheers Spotify warning on COVID podcast says more should be done. New York Post story. White House Press Secretary Jen Saki applauded Spotify. Tuesday for adding a disclaimer to podcast episode COVID-19 before adding, there's more that can be done. The new Spotify warning will link to da 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 We talked about that this disclaimer is a positive step, but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out mis- and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information. Our view is it's a good step, it's a positive step, and there's more that can be done. Thoughts? I think the White House should stay out of it. Uh, I, I don't think they should have a position on it, and I think that they should let companies run their business how they run their business, especially when it has to deal with censorship and the First Amendment. I, I think, if anything, they should they should champion and uh, applaud you know companies for for allowing platforms that uh, that let people say what they want to say. You know that um, Rogan uh, has a point, or he has. He stands on fertile ground when you have left-leaning people saying, yeah, I don't agree with this guy, 
but do not cancel this dude, i.e. Howard Stern, i.e. Joy Behar from The View. They have all come out and basically said, look, <coughs> like I think Joy Behar basically called him a moron, which I, I, I believe me, I think everyone would agree that of the two, we know which one is the moron, and it's not Rogan. But Howard Stern, who for whatever reason has sprinted left, but if there's anybody that's an advocate for freedom of speech, it's freaking Howard Stern. That guy has been, people don't understand these days, as big as Rogan is now, Howard Stern was 10 times bigger than that for a decade. Yeah. Okay? Now Rogan clearly is the king of all media. I think Howard Stern labeled himself the king of all media. But even Howard Stern came out and said, I don't agree with Rogan. I don't agree with some of the stuff he talks about in his podcast, specifically the COVID stuff. But do not cancel this man. Yeah. And this goes back to our first point is just just because people are saying the things that make you uncomfortable or may not even be true. Is that grounds for dismissal and cancel? No, I, I mean, again, I think uh, this whole canceling thing is a is a, a snowball off the rails turning into an avalanche. You know, uh, anytime you cancel anybody. It takes a, a notch of, of uh, liberty out of the country, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You, you just got to let people do what they're going to do. And again, I'll, I'll beat the dead horse and say you, you have to differentiate between not liking something and legitimately being hurt by it. And there's a huge difference. Right. And Pat, I mean, we've, we've talked about this numerous times. You were on Rogan. You've, you've had a, a great experience there. You have your own podcast right now. We have aspirations of being as big as Rogan one day. Um, how does this make you feel with everything that's happening with him right now? He's the most necessary voice in the world today, in America today, period. Rogan is the most necessary voice in America today. Listen, let me put it to you this way. Everybody better protect this guy. Everybody better protect this guy. Because if he, you know, some people are saying, well, he's kind of also being bullied to not talk about it. Where it's like, hey, he's going to go back to only talking about hallucinogen, you know, mushrooms and aliens and all that, and he's going away from COVID, right? They're kind of bullying him mm -hmm. for him to be silenced in a way. You have to know that is a very, very necessary guy. But here's the big but. This is the big but. And it's what I said to Rogan when I went on the uh, podcast with him, and I, I was doing my best to get him to think about this. And I think it's actually going to happen, to be honest with you. I think it's going to happen. I think, here's what I'm convinced. Say Spotify, they went from a $70 billion company a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. The market hasn't tanked. They've lost. They went from a $60 billion company to a $36 billion company. They've lost $24 billion. Almost since, cut in half. Since signing Rogan. Okay. Now, this is not a Rogan thing. They've just lost that much during that time. Neil Young alone, they lost $4 billion on this one guy. And if all these other guys show up, they lose money. Now, let me give you a completely different aspect, uh, uh, perspective on this. Let's say Spotify, do, what do you think of the chance of Spotify dropping Rogan? Give me a percentage. No, I don't, uh, zero. I, no, it's not zero. You can't say zero. This is, I, I, don't, I think there would be you cannot say zero. such insane backlash Give me a number. Spotify. Give me the number. Less than two percent. You think it's less than two percent? What do you think? Canceling Rogan? To me, uh, to me, I'm going to no. put it at fifty if they're losing that okay. amount of money. All right, yeah, so here we 40. go. Okay, yeah. I think it's ten percent. I don't think it's fifty percent, but I'm ten percent. Okay, two, fifty, forty, ten percent. Fine. Here's the thing. Let's say they do it. Let's go there. <laughs> Spotify, if you're listening to this, let's say you go there. Okay. Well, no, no. Actually, go there. No, with I'm there. You. I'm there. Because you're gonna I'm see what head. you're no. gonna see if this happens. What happens? Go ahead and cancel Rogan. 
What, who's the first person that's going to call Rogan? Give me the first person that's going to call Rogan. Apple Music? Nope. Uh, I'm sorry. Nope. A- no a- way. Any major media nope. company. One person's going to call Rogan. It's the first phone call if Rogan gets canceled. Elon Musk. Elon Musk is going to call Rogan. Did I get that? Okay. Elon Musk is going to call Rogan saying, here's $20 billion. Let's go whoop everyone's ass. Then Elon's going to say, we're hiring for engineers. Me and Rogan have teamed up with Peter Thiel. We're hiring engineers, we're hiring developers, we're giving big-ass bonuses and equity. Come on down, let's whoop everyone's ass. And that's going to be Elon, Rogan, and Theo. Who do you think is going to go on that website? And Elon Musk, they just called him JV of EV. Biden said JV of EV. They're not even inviting him to the White House again. And, and, and Elon Musk, if you see Elon Musk, what he said about Biden this last week, I don't know if you saw what Elon Musk said about Biden this sure, last week. Sure, it's not week. favorable. No, no, of course it's not favorable because you're talking about Tesla. When you think about EV, you know, uh, 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 when you think about EV, you think about uh, uh, electric Musk vehicles. Musk and Musk only but that's Tesla. It. That's Who, it. What other name do you think about? You don't think Give about Toyota Prius. You no. don't think about nobody else. No, and by the way, somebody said, uh, Jimenez said Donald Trump. I disagree. That's not the right guy to bring behind it because that would not help the cause. No. I think it's Elon Musk, Rogan, Peter Thiel, if Spotify drops him. So here's the thing. Why would, a, why would a, uh, it, Elon Musk need a Peter Thiel? Yo, Peter Thiel, oh my gosh, you must not know who Peter Thiel is. No, I know who he is, but why no. would an Elon need him? You, you don't need him, but you need him. Okay, because Peter Thiel is a true believer. And again, here's a guy that's a gay libertarian who has strong beliefs, but has everything in Silicon Valley, all roads lead to Peter Thiel. You don't, Peter Thiel PayPal is a- PayPal mafia, everything Oh, he's like an that. underground, tough guy, brilliant guy. You don't mess with that guy. That guy's a genius. You put those three together, then guess what everybody's doing? Everyone's shivering. Everybody is shaking if those three guys back up. So, so to me, I do think, like right now, how old is Rogan today? Rogan's how old? He's, he's I'd say he's early yeah. 50s. He's 50, 53. Okay, how old is uh, Stern? Rogan Stern is what? Let's gotta see. Be late 60. He's 54. Okay, how old is Stern? Go Stern age. I'm guessing 66. Uh, his age is what? 68. Okay, you're, by the way, he just signed like a 10-year contract and he's 68. So he's going to go to 78. Okay, would you say Rogan's a young 54-year-old? Can we say Rogan's a young 54-year-old? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So Rogan. And Musk is what, 50? Y- yes. Musk is also around the same age. So if these guys teamed up and they started recruiting people, it would be game over. So, so there is a side. There is a side that I dare Spotify to do something. I dare, I double dare you. Elon would make it a mission of his to go out there and do this. It would be bad news for a lot of people in Silicon Valley and Spotify. It would be great news for free thinkers, for entrepreneurs, for those that just want to sit there and say, I disagree with you. Can we sit down and have a conversation, have some banter? That's what I think. So the concern about... If, if, if Joe, you know, by himself, not, wife's not around, girls are not around, daughters are not around, friends are not around, Joey's not around, all these other people are not around that he talks to regularly, he's by himself. You're in the car by yourself driving. You're security, nobody's around you. He's sitting there and is like, man, what if Spotify drops me? Okay, I, I would say, <laughs> I dared them to drop me. It would be more from that perspective because then, Right now, he's got a lot of followers. Now you're going to go into, you know, 
legendary of the legendary. No, no, no. It's game over type of legend. Mm. You're talking about now you have a world type of influence at the next level. Because now you dictate. Now, Elon, you know, Joe's going to be like, okay, let me get a handful of these guys that I uh, like their strategies. Let's go recruit. What do you think that phone call sound like? Hey, I'm Joe Rogan. I noticed you have a podcast. We'd like to have you come to XYZ Company with me, Elon Musk, and Peter Field. <laughs> yeah, what a yeah, I'm on my way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I, I Could think. Could you imagine that? Yeah. I, by the way, I, I, I don't know why I want to see that. So do I. I want to see that. You know how that idea starts, by the way? How? It's just them two on a podcast. One big <laughs> fat ass joint. Elon Musk yeah. taking a hit. If Rogan encouraging him, and then right. boom, voila. Hey, I feel like that's happening. We before. are recruiting people. If you want to be in, text us at this number. Here's a link. Go subscribe. Let's start. So I don't know. So to me, you know, people have to protect Joe. And I think Elon, in a way, is a protector. Of ideas, I think Elon and a handful of other people who are very powerful in their own way, boom, let's go, do, and they're going to go. Do you think Elon actually has those types of aspirations to putting together? What are you a talking about? That's nothing company? to him. Compe the, guy, the guy wants to go marry aliens, according to what you want to say. <laughs> he he wants to go, live on Mars. So, yes. so if, he, if he wants to go on Mars, this, this, what's harder, living on Mars or kicking everyone's ass in Silicon Valley? I'm sorry, it's living on Mars. This is nothing to him. It's chump change. I think that, that they, they could do that or that that's a possibility uh, that, that's not going to influence whether or not Spotify drops them. I, I think they're going to look at it purely as a business move, is that if it gets to the point where enough people say, if you don't drop them, we leave, and, and their bottom line gets to a certain number, then they'll get rid of them just based on that, kind of irrespective of what they think might but happen. But is, is their number hemorrhaging because of Rogan? That can't be the reason. No, I mean, I'm sure it's impossible to quantify. I, I have no doubt that there's a lot of uh, factors to it, but... You know, to me, again, like at some point, if they just continue to lose and lose, and I mean, I'm I'm still sitting here a little bit reeling from the fact that that uh, Neil Young cost him four billion by leaving. How the fuck is that even possible? Uh, Spotify lost four billion from him leaving. Oh, type it in. Put Neil Young yeah. four billion Spotify. To, to me, that's surprising. I guess, but yeah. uh, I, I'd be shocked if people under thirty Spotify. even knew who Neil Young yeah. was. I mean, but and that's the thing, right? It's Spotify, like if you look at. A lot of older musicians, like they have very small followings on there, right most there. of them. Look at that, right there. Spotify loses $4 billion of market value after Neil Young controversy. That's crazy. Yeah, so, so you think it's not an impact. It's an impact. So I guarantee the board. <clears throat> There's the no board, way they're not looking at that. The board has got so much pressure. Yeah. Listen, listen, I'm telling you right now, Joe, Elon, Peter, I'm telling you. Two of the three have plenty of experience running companies going up against bigger enemies. I mean, Tesla went up against, who's a bigger mafia than Ford, GM, Chrysler, Toyota? Tell me who's a bigger mafia. Who is a bigger mafia? You go take their lunch? Yeah. Are you kidding me? This guy took their lunch. Yeah. This is no joke. This is not an easy industry to take their lunch. You're talking about that guy. He didn't say, let me create a new website called Facebook and let's go create something new. He said, what does everybody use a car? Let me go make cars. What? And beat everybody. That's, that's hard. That This is not hard. That's hard. So, yeah. So, if this keeps happening, stuff like this, let me make your job easier for you, Spotify. I resign. Okay. You pay me $100 million. No problem. Elon's willing to pay me a billion dollars. <laughs> Elon will sign a $1 billion 20-year contract with Joe Rogan. That's what he would do in a heartbeat. Hey, Joe, 50 million a year for 20 years. Do the podcast on my show. That's what Elon would do, okay? 
And 50 million a year to Elon Musk is what? It's like you going to Starbucks, okay? He ain't even going to feel it, okay? He's going to say, Joe, don't worry about it. Drop Spotify. Send a letter of resignation. It's become too much of a frustration. Let's go whoop some ass together. Everybody would be shitting bricks. Everybody would be calling their mommy saying, mommy, you will not believe Joe. Oh my gosh, what do we do? Everybody would be in tears saying, this is the one guy crazy enough that can pull it off. That is the one guy because... When you, when, you push, when you push true believers who are the best at what they do, who are number one, not complainers that quit and then they say, I'm Joe, you ain't Joe, bro. You're like number, you know, when somebody leaves a company and I'm going to go do it, I'm going to be the next Joe. No, no, no. There's only one Joe in the world. There's only one Elon Musk in the world. If that happens, game over. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know what that's like? Frazier against Ali, forget about it. Trump, Hillary, forget about it. I mean, who do you want to put in there? Big Magic against Jordan, 1990, 1991, forget about it. You know, Jordan against Pistons, forget about it. This is going to be the underdogs against the bullies. Let's go bully the hell out of the bullies. These are the guys that are the ragtag people that are showing up. Let's go. It would be freaking entertainment at the highest level. Now... Maybe I'm just dreaming. Yeah, I, Pat, but, just went, you went somewhere with that, by the way. You're on fire right oh, now. Oh, but I tell and you. And I don't want you to stop. But I tell you. But I tell you. But I'm telling you right now. I fully tell you right now. The biggest insurance policy is being a worker, is being fair, is being a chill guy that people like. It's being humble yet competitive and deliver on the product, willing to constantly improve. You attract the right people in your life. This morning, I did a video about talking about the biggest currency to invest into more than Bitcoin, more than Ethereum, more than any stock, more than gold, more than anything. There's nothing more valuable than Bitcoin. Everybody wants to get some more Bitcoin in their, net, in their uh, wallet or whatever it is. Yeah, there is no currency more valuable than your attitude. There is no currency more valuable than your attitude. No currency more valuable than your attitude. Your attitude is why you're here. You and I met at an insurance event for eight years. We didn't do nothing. Every year I saw your attitude. I'm like, what? I can't wait to meet that guy. What's the guy? I don't know his name, but I like meeting this guy. I'm like, Adam, what's up? And then, hey, this is Adam. Hey, let me tell Adam, you got to do content. Your attitude is the most expensive currency. You, you have money. It, that's fine. You have crypto. That's fine. Your attitude is worth 20 times more than all, all the money you got in the world. Look at Joe's attitude. It's freaking attractive. Look at Elon's attitude. It's attractive. And some people don't like attractive attitude. That attitude is worth billions. Forget the $100 million contract. You can't teach Joe's attitude. That attitude is very, very attractive. And the attitude, you know what's the best thing about a great attitude? You know what's the great thing about a big attitude? What business are you and I in? What industry are we in? We're in insurance, financial services. There is not a bigger insurance policy than a great attitude. Because you protect it for the rest of your life. Because your attitude, who can take your attitude away from you? It's yours. Every organization, every company, every city, every state, every country wants people with better attitudes. It goes back to your voting system in your book that you talk about. Where the 500 people and the people that have done most for that, it's what? It's a form of an attitude. You want to contribute to your society, yeah. to the society you live in. So, yeah, I mean, they're not going to nominate people with shitty attitudes. No, they're not. You know, so. They're just not going to do it. And by the way, we're not going to bring somebody back on our podcast with a shitty attitude three times. Your attitude is <laughs> hey. freaking awesome. You know, hey. it goes, goes to you. Well, you know, your attitude is sick. Everybody, every time you come here, it's attractive. There's something, here's a Navy SEAL that if you wanted to, could go out there and do a lot of harm to people. Just a chill guy you're talking to, laughing chopping it up, different kind of conversation. So 
I don't know, more and more I'm getting excited about this. More and more I, I, I kind of want to see this happen. <laughs> As so you went it, there, you so was literally... So is it 10% or are you bumping it up? No, no, I'm 10% that Spotify will drop yeah. them. But I tell you, the biggest badass move would be... Oh. So you're 10% on Spotify dropping, dropping Rogan, but, but where are you at on Rogan saying, like you said, I don't well, need Rogan this, sees this, I'm video, done. I'm going to go I'm gonna, do I'm going to send thing. a message to him. I'm going to say, Joe, I watch rarely them. send, just watch this and just please consider it. Joe, just please consider it, okay? Just please consider it. I'm telling you, and Elon, you're watching this, sign a billion-dollar contract with Joe for 20 years. You can do it. I bet he'd do it for free. By the way, no, no, Joe wouldn't do it. Joe doesn't need to do it for free because Joe's attitude and the way he does things is, a, is worth a billion dollars, minimal. If, if I was running a media company, Joe's a billion-dollar 20-year contract. Joe's a minimum. I'm not even telling you high. Alone, that's a minimum. Joe's a $50 million year guy for 20 years. And by the way, you know, this isn't like I'm trying to get on Rogan. This isn't like how some people are like, oh, people say good things about Joe because they want to get on Rogan. I was on, on the Rogan show. We had a great time. You've already together. been on Rogan. We commun- a- yeah, no, I'm saying this because I'm telling you, Joe's a billion dollar net worth attitude. And Elon needs to come out and say, I'm signing a 20 or $1 billion contract with Joe for Joe to do his podcast on the network that I'm creating. I think that's what needs to happen. And that is the biggest power move. Oh my, people would be, by the way, check this out. Watch this now. Watch this now. Uh, this Friday, I'm having a meeting with a, a very powerful CEO of a major social media company that you all know about. He's coming here. We're going to have dinner together. Today's Wednesday or what is today? Today's, Today's Thursday. Thursday. Today's tomorrow. tomorrow night. Yeah. Maybe we'll go to dinner as well. So it's, it's tomorrow night, right? Um, Trump starts at the Truth Network. Who's going to join the network? Who? People do you think, who do you the think, Alex, do you think, Alex Jones types. Do you think AOC is going to be on that network? No. No, but she needs to be. Okay? If she want, wants to do a debate, yeah, but not but, really. But, but watch this. If Elon and Joe and Peter Thiel start a network, who would be on that? Everybody. Left, everybody. right, center, up, down, I old, don't young, think, everybody. I don't think AOC would be, but here's who would be. If this is Alex Jones, mm-hmm. if this is AOC and uh, 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 Young Turks and who else you want to put here, Bernie? Yeah, I think everybody. These guys, if this is center, these guys would be on. Eighty totally. percent of America is yeah. what you're I saying. I think these guys would be on. The people that matter would be on. Yeah, hundred percent. But I think if Trump does it, I think only these guys will be on. Okay. But what's crazy is they're painting Joe Rogan to be out some like he's right not. and no. like far right. Ma- he's he said no. he would vote for he's Bernie. Yeah. No, he I, on I mean, camera yeah. said he would vote for Bernie. No I mean, to me, that, that's just grasping at straws, trying to trying to discredit him because they don't have anything else to, to do it with. The dumbest know, but, thing that CNN and these people on the left can do is try to go after Rogan. Yeah, I agree. You know, I Sanjay mean, Gupta, to his respect, went on Rogan and answered some tough got questions. Slayed, but <laughs> but respect yeah. to him for going. Yeah, on. for sure, agreed. I mean, that, that's how it needs to happen. And again, that's why, you know, my take on Saki and, and the White House having a position on it, I think, is a mistake. You know, it just it just makes them look bad. I mean, historically, look at at any government that tried to censor its citizens has always been the fucking bad guy. Always, yeah. like that. That's never a good thing ever. You know, so. For them to do that, I think, uh, is, a, is a huge misstep, and I, I just don't, I don't get it. I mean, that the same uh, PR guy or, or whoever is, is trying to advise the president on, uh, on actions to take to, to pull his head out of his ass image-wise needs to do the same thing with their, uh, with their you, mouth. You remember case. there was a very famous clip. This was during the George W. Bush years when I believe it, uh, the press secretary was Ari Fleischer, yeah. and he was talking about Bill Maher. And he goes, Bill Maher needs to be very careful what he's saying these days. Nobody appreciates 
you know, the thing now, Bill Maher, other than Rogan, Nothing might be one of the more guy. necessary voices yeah. in America. And where's Ari Fleischer these days? Yeah. To your point, Mike Ritland. When when, oh. when when the government goes after people to yes. silence them, never good luck. Can no. I can I throw one other thing in there? Yeah, well, sure, sure, sure. yes, sir. Yeah, can, can, so who just resigned? Who just resigned? Uh, CN, CNN. Jeff Zucker just yeah. resigned. Which let me first say, uh, CNN Worldwide present, President Jeff Zucker, the influential news executive who reshaped the iconic network. This reshaped. CNN wrote this article about. So I'm reading a CNN. <laughs> so the way they wrote it is, uh, who reshaped the iconic network abruptly announced Wednesday morning that he has resigned from his position effective immediately as part of the investigation to Chris Cuomo's tenure at CNN. I was asked about a consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I had worked with for more than 20 years. I acknowledge the relationship evolved in recent years. I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. As a result, I am resigning today. That's not why. Yeah, Zucker did not name his colleague in the memo, but the relationship is with Allison Golast, the chief marketing officer for CNN. She is still staying with CNN. So watch this. Okay, let's throw, so you know how you go to a restaurant, you first order your drink. I'd like to have a, you know, Arnold Palmer. They bring the Arnold Palmer. Sorry, we're out of lemonade. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Would you like some salad? I'll take, I'll take some brada cheese salad with some balsamic glaze on the side. Fantastic. Thank you. Would you like to order some appetizers? Yes, I'll have some uh, fried zucchini flowers and some, uh, you know, uh, steak uh, uh, tartare. Some and, oysters. You know, some oysters and you know, foie gras and some bone marrow. No problem. No boneless buffalo strips. <laughs> That's coming next. Church now you know yeah, where Mike yeah. eats and where Patty is. I'm, I'm at Friday's. <laughs> exactly. Out of nowhere. Can I get some uh, potato wedges? <laughs> These foie so gras you, potato can, wedges. Can we get some mesquite chicken? All right, so I'm going to go that route. Yes. We anyway, would you like some dessert? Yes. I'll take some whatever dessert, a sundae or, you know, sorbet or whatever they bring. Dessert here. You know what the dessert would be here? If Elon went and bought CNN. Oh, my <laughs> God. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> if Elon says, I'm going to buy CNN, that would be amazing if something like that were to happen. If you were to say, I'm going to cut a check and buy CNN, people would, would lose it. Okay. And by the way, if they bought CNN overnight, you would see all the airports. It would no longer show CNN. It would be MSNBC. Yeah. For sure. Why do you think the airport? They're not going to let Elon have control to show. Uh, uh, that would scare the crap out of him. That scared the crap out of him if he did something like that. Do this. the airports have some sort of arrangement with CNN? Is that is that their? They, they, uh, the airports show CNN. That's that's right. I mean, is that is that airports, just the airports? The I majority in? of airports show CNN. Why? If you go to Texas, they'll have CNN and Fox. What's the story behind that? In because Florida, they show Nickelodeon is what they show. <laughs> <laughs> but in New York, I, mean, I don't even want to tell you what New York shows you. New York shows you a whole different uh, perspective. But yeah, it's mainly mm-hmm. a lot of CNN. What are your thoughts on what happened here with uh, Zucker? <clears throat> what was the real story here? Oh, I think uh, Cuomo got him fired. Specifically Cuomo? I absolutely believe Cuomo got him fired. Why? Why? Because Zucker threw Cuomo under the bus. Z- you don't remember when it first came out? And it's like Zucker... Yeah, we have to let Cuomo go. And then and, uh, Cuomo's like, wait a minute. No, no, no. You ain't going to make me look like an idiot. My father's Mario Cuomo. We don't let the bully bully us. No, here's what we're going to be doing. This is exactly what you did as well. And then Zucker got fired. So Zucker got fired by the person he fired, Chris Cuomo. Well, can I read a quote? Yeah. As part of the investigation into Chris Cuomo's tenure here at CNN, I was asked about a consensual relationship with my closest colleague, someone I've worked with for more than 20 years. Zucker uh, told employees in a memo, I acknowledge the relationship evolved in recent years. 
I was required to disclose it when it began, but I didn't. I was wrong. As a result, I'm resigning today. Zucker did not name his colleague in the memo with relationship with Allison Golist, the chief marketing officer for CNN, is remaining at CNN. So what's your what's it's just apparently inappropriate work relationships or not even inappropriate, not disclosing it. I mean, there's no way that that took place for 20 years and everybody didn't know about it. Everybody had to know know that he was banging Allison. To me, there's there's just got to be more to it. I mean, how about the fact that they've lost 90 percent of their viewers? How does that not not play some role in this? Has to be. Well, you know, look. But by the way, just think about it. Think about it. What network did Trump call fake news? CNN. So just, did you see Trump's comment about CNN? Did mm-hmm. you see Trump's comment mm-hmm. about Zucker? Did you read it or no? Yeah. Why don't you pull up what the Trump said about uh, Zucker getting fired? And he wrote out a memo. Well, while you're pulling it up, I have it here, so I'll just read it. Jeff Zucker, Jeff Zucker a world-class sleazeback who has headed ratings and, and uh, real news challenged CNN for too long, uh, for far too long, has been terminated for numerous reasons, but predominantly because CNN has lost its way with viewers and everybody else. Now it's a chance to put fake news in the backseat because there may not be anything more important than straightening out the horrendous lamestream media in our country, and in this case of CNN, throughout the world. Jeff Zucker is gone. Congratulations to all. Okay, that's your uh, that's your guy saying that. But you were at his place yesterday, right? I was at Trump. Uh, can I? I brought you some gifts. And I if appreciate Kai, if, that. If Kai's listening, I would love him to 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 bring in the gifts that I brought for Pat. But by the way, <laughs> I don't know if this is a a left or right thing because this is just a power thing. There's two things going on here. CNN's ratings are in the tank. I'm sure you want to transition to maybe the Tucker story, which is applicable here. But this is a powerful thing. This happened to Roger Ailes. This happened to Bill O'Reilly. This happened to <laughs> Charlie Rose. This happened to Matt Lauer. This happened to Chris Cuomo. Whether it's Harvey Weinstein even, this is a power move. You're, you're, if you're the head of a network or the face of a network, you've got the power. You've got the money. Everything that happened with Roger Ailes is applicable here to Jeff Zucker. And where you know when you're the guy in charge and you see a pretty little marketing lady over there, you're going to step into my office, do a little twirl. Let's see the outcome. Is that how it goes? Allegedly. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm sure that there's more of the story. I think to your point with uh, it being Cuomo, there's probably going to be more more to come out of it, too. Like he's not I mean, he's obviously pissed and, and taking the ship with him or at least trying. I, I would bet that you'll see more. Uh, more backlash and, and maybe even more people either quitting or getting fired. You fire this. your best guy yeah. and then you trash him. No, yeah. man, you can't. You can't do that. Well, I mean, do you remember when we talked about yeah. CNN thinking about or they're bringing in Chris Wallace? Yeah, it's because they're getting bought out by this guy, John Malone. And he he can't stand CNN. He's a serious person with serious goals who adds. And he said, quote, he wants to bring it back to actual journalism. Can you show this picture, by the way, with, uh, with Tyler Salmon? Discovery board member John Malone. <laughs> Uh, 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 lauds Fox News before saying he wants CNN to evolve back to actual journalism. And I don't want to say I called this a couple months ago, but Ooh, yeah, it's because Tyra. of this new owner. He, he, he wants actual journalism. He understands that CNN is a joke. And as you guys say, it's ratings. Now, why they're going with... But ratings suck, so their strategy is not working. That's why he wants to switch it. And he's, he's kicking out Jeff, uh, Jeff Zucker. Why they went with that for the excuse is Tyler, a little you interesting. Mean to tell but... me, you mean to tell me Como didn't fire Zucker? Because yeah, I mean, this article you're is saying the note. backlash from Cuomo. Oh, I'm. T- here's what happened with Cuomo. Cuomo probably made a phone call and he said, "Listen, here's what you guys want to do to me. You want to ruin my reputation and hurt my family. Just know, 
That's not the right move, and I don't appreciate that. And then, boom, it led to a conversation together with them, and obviously the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, because that article was from mid-November. This is two hours ago from Insider. CNN Insider suspect Chris Cuomo flagged Jeff Zucker's workplace relationship as revenge. There you go. And yeah. I don't even, I, 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 this is when? This is when we just went live on the podcast. This is two hours ago. Yeah. So Get out of here. No, inside. Oh, here's Kai with the the, the gifts that I brought you. So, from, how was from it spending Trump. time with Trump? How how was it for you? He he's a huge fan of the podcast. Okay, good. Huge fan. Um, you know what he basically said was like, listen, it's possible for us to disagree without being disagreeable. I said, thanks, Don. I really appreciate that. I have I, I missed my uh, invitation to Mar-a-Lago, but I appreciate all the goodie bags and gifts that you gave me, and this is what I wanted to give to you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> so, by the way. Here we go. It's a. I feel there's I want like to get a, your, there's something a, yes, going on. This here. is a Trump Hotels yep. bag right yep. here. Laundry here we go. Bag. Laundry bag. Now, now obviously save that money. I didn't spend money on this. I took it from uh, my hotel room, but I, I noticed something. Oh, he's going to come find and you. And I wanted to get your take on this. So here are a lot of goodies from you are so the Trump funny. hotel room. Now, what I wanted to get your opinion on was this. Now, these are just a ton. These are shampoo. These are conditioners. These are lotions. These are Q-tips. These are hand lotions. This is everything. This is everything. And I, I, ironically, I wanted to bring you this anyway. This was not the point of this. I was like, all right, let me get some Trump stuff. But here's what I was like, holy shit, I need to get Pat's opinion on. Look on the bottom made in China. every single one of these things. It says made in China. Every <laughs> single one of these things. Read that right there. What's it say on the top right there? Made in, Made in China. China. I'm thinking, this. how is this possible? I'm at Trump wow. property, Doral, Miami, his amazing golf course, and I'm showering, I'm getting ready, I'm stealing gifts to give to Pat, and they all say Made on China. Made in China. With how is that possible? Shampoo. How is that possible? Yeah. For everything he's done against China, and respect for him for calling them out, this is not a good look. So I'm, su- you, I'm surprised it's not more popular or like that more people don't know about it. Are you, are you, are you surprised? Are you upset? I'm a little surprised. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm all the above. Okay, I got you. I was genuinely looking express at yourself. I was let genuinely go, looking like, at this and expecting Donald J. Trump to have made in America conditioners, shampoos, all that kind of good well, stuff. Well, let me ask you, is he still operating this place? Does he still yes. own this place? Is this still his like operator yes. by him? Yes. I don't think it's a good look. I think he needs to contact a CMO that's running this and saying, why are we having stuff that we're producing that's made in China? I don't think it's a good look, to be honest with you. I agree. Yeah. And I, I, I'm actually like, this is obviously some little bit of like a little joke, whatever, whatever, but I would want and expect someone like Donald Trump to only have made in America property. Uh, made America material. Sure, it's not made in Chinatown. Let me let me just see. If that's <laughs> Chinatown. Made in Chinatown, made in Chinatown, Chinatown LA. San Francisco. Yeah, that's what it is. Made in Chinatown. Anyway, but uh, you do travel a lot. And I want you to look good. You do spend $72 on a haircut. So I want you to have the best of the best of the best. So only sweet. the best products for you. You are so amazing. You're always Thank looking you. out for me. I, I genuinely you're was. Always, and hey, then final I thoughts about Brady. Final thoughts about Brady. Oh, okay, man. Brady retired. Okay, were you surprised when he retired? Not, not really. Yeah. But, I, you know, to me, I, I, think, um, I think it's good that he did when he did. I, I hate to see when guys, even switching teams, I mean, obviously he, he won another one, but you know, when they just kind of fade off because they suck. I think that's a, a shitty way to go for a guy like that. Same with, you know, Joe Montana or Favre or whatever. It's like when you see guys who are that good for that long, and, and he's, I think, the epitome of that, 
uh, I, I think it's better that he left when he was kind of still on top. Yeah. Charlemagne the God called him the greatest athlete of all time. Charlemagne the guy called him the great, like meaning better than Michael. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call him the greatest athlete of all time. He's definitely the greatest winner of all time. Leap. I would say he's I the know. most successful football the player The greatest of football time. player of all time. But here's what makes me a little upset here. Imagine if Michael Jordan retired, which he did briefly, but then and then he did it again, and then he came back from the you know came back to the Washington Wizards. Let's just say he won a championship with the Wizards. Let's just say Michael Jordan, <laughs> after everything he did with the Bulls, and then he retired, and all he did was thank the Wizards and the great organization they had. He was there for two years. He was there to the other team, the Patriots, for twenty years, and all he did was thank the Wizards. You'd be saying, "Dude, what are you talking about? You were a Chicago Bull through and through." Legend, and that's the way I, I, I look at Tom Brady, dude. I, the, the, congratulations, you, 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 you're the man. You, you took Tampa Bay, that was yeah. nothing franchise for decades, and then you took him a super awesome. But let's not forget, you're a Patriot. So obviously, he's a little salty from his exit. Whether that's Bob Kraft, whether that's a Belichick thing, he's a little salty about that. But I, I do think that Bill <laughs> Belichick had a very classy. I, I, tweet or memo that he I put out about Brady. I have a perspective yeah, on this. Here's what my perspective is. So let me ask you a question. So imagine you're Brady, okay? Mm -hmm. And you are making your mind whether you're going to retire or not. You talk to your wife, you talk to your kids, and you say, you know what? I wake up in the morning, I'm retiring, okay? Tell me the first five phone calls you make before you're going to go public. Give me the first five phone calls you make. Other than your family, you're uh, saying? No, you're not even, even family, you can't tell everybody. It's wife and I mean, to like me it's, immediate. No, What's, I, I give know me the five phone calls. I know where you're going with this. It needs to be the organization you're retiring from first. Okay, so perfect. So <laughs> can we say he probably is going to talk to Bruce True. Arians, Bruce right? Arians, yeah. yeah. And, and then after the Bruce, coach, you're who saying. else? Yeah, Malcolm I, Gladwell, isn't that the owner? Not Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, Mal he doesn't have that kind of money. Gla but. The Gladwell family, yeah. I believe they own the so, uh, Malcolm so, Gladwell. So you got, so you got, the, co you got the coach. Who else is going to call? Do you think he's going to call anybody from the Patriots organization? No, no, he's not going to alert them at all. You, so you don't think he calls anybody? You don't think he has a good relationship with Kraus? Where he calls oh. him and says, hey, Jerry, listen, I was with you for not 20 Jerry years. Not Jerry Krause. You're talking about. I'm not uh, Jerry Krause. I'm talking about uh, uh, Robert, uh, Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft. You don't think he's going to call Robert Kraft and say, hey, you know, here's where I'm at. You don't think he's going to make a phone call like that? He's definitely not going to call Bill. We know he's not going to call Bill. He's not going to call Bill. Well, isn't it um, Bob Kraft that decided not to resign him two years ago in 2019? I don't know who it was, but uh, is that Belichick? Is he the GM? I think he called a few people. Okay. And I'm thinking. One of the people he called is from New England Patriots. Somebody leaked the information to the news. Everybody he called and he says, tell me you didn't say it. Uh, he believed four people. The one person that did say it, he was so annoyed that he says, I'm going to snub you for my recognition. Screw you guys. I think people like that are so sensitive to respecting them sharing private information with you that if you cross it, they cross you. I think it was that simple. I don't think it was. As, I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I don't. Something think it, happened. Yeah. Whether it was because he didn't he was like leaving. the fact that people leaked it. He wanted to no. be the one well, to do it. Well, it wasn't official for like seventy-two hours. But I guarantee right? you, it was official. I guarantee you, it was official for right. ninety-six hours. Didn't he put something on social media about it? And before uh, his team knew, he though? said in the interview. No, he never did. That he never did. He he said in the interview, "I'm going to talk about it and see what I'm going to be doing, and I'll get get back to you guys after he lost." But 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 put up Belichick's deal. Is Belichick's deal here for me to read, or is it up there? Uh, uh, is he, it on page? He did in his 
in his Instagram post, he thinked the the obviously Tampa Bay, everything we just said, he had one reference to the Patriots. Did you see it? He had one reference to the Patriots. What was that? He had a picture of him no, he beating the Patriots. Yeah. Beating yeah. the Patriots yeah. as a Tampa Bay yeah. buck this year. Yeah. So there was a subtle so go down, of hand right go, there. Go down, go down, at, go down, go Patriots. down. I want to read. Here's what Belichick said. I am. Pri- can you make it a little bigger so I can see it? I am privileged to have drafted. I am privileged to have drafted. That's a statement, meaning I picked you. <clears throat> I am privileged to have drafted and coached Tom Brady, the ultimate competitor and winner, Tom's humble beginning in professional football ultimately ended with him becoming the best player in NFL history. Tom consistently performed at the highest level against competition that always made him to number one player to stop. His pursuit of excellence was inspirational. Tom was professional on and off the field and carried himself with some cla- with class, integrity, and kindness. I thank Tom. What a powerful word. I thank Tom for his relentless pursuit of excellence and positive impact on me. That's a pretty humble statement right there. I thank Tom for his relentless pursuit of excellence and positive impact on me and the New England Patriots for 20 years. Good for you. How do you process that, though? Because you sounded a little sarcastic about, about... About which one? About Belichick. No, no. When I said I drafted, meaning yeah. don't forget I risked everything on you because I believed in you 199. 198 people did not. I picked you. I believed in you. Never forget that when you were nobody and I chose... When, when Drew Bledsoe, when you got a hit and your knee was gone and you were dropped and we benched you second half, Drew Bledsoe came and won that game and took us to the Super Bowl and I had two weeks to decide and everybody from Willie McGinnis, everybody said, Belichick's going to choose Drew Bledsoe as a starting quarterback after having signed a $100 million contract. I made the announcement publicly and I said, Tom Brady will start the Super Bowl. And Bledsoe, in an interview, was devastated. And he says, every, every player quarterback looks for this position to be in to go into the Super Bowl. But uh, it is what it is. And you can see the interview with uh, Bledsoe, how tough it was for him. Belichick chose Brady. Now imagine if he doesn't. You just can't. You know, there's, you can't, you, you have to know that there is, there is some value there, man. That's, that's the only thing I'm saying. Belichick is trying to say, listen, I took a chance on you, Okay. And listen, without your drive, there's no way we went six. But still, somebody had to pick you, even though nobody believed in you at that time. And I picked you as a starter. I, I think it's a, a beautiful thing. Listen, yeah. to me, I think Brady, when people talk about Brady versus Jordan, greatest athlete, it makes no sense. I mean, the guy's got a vertical leap of a six-year-old. He's not going to be able to jump that <laughs> high. Okay, He runs the zero to 40-yard dash in what, like, like five, five seconds, seconds, right? Yeah, so, not a good look. But it's not an athlete. But I'm going to no. tell you something here. When they took the heart the, of, of uh, 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 the one horse, uh, that not Seabiscuit. No, it's uh, one of the recent ones. They took the heart and they saw he was in the 99.6 percentile. Mm, right, the horse. He wasn't the, the horse, biggest. He wasn't yeah, the he fastest. Wasn't a, no, he wasn't the strongest it's, it's horse. With a P. The name is with a P, horse. Just go to the top uh, 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 Kentucky Derby it's winners. Secretariat. Not Secretariat. No, it's another one. What's the horse's name, Kai? They go to... Go to uh, horse winning, uh, 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 not secretary. Go to horse winning Kentucky Derby. Uh, uh, winning Kentucky Derby at uh, the names. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Uh, somebody probably putting it down here right now what the name is. But anyways, when they talked about this horse, um, they said the guy had a heart 
a massive heart that was going to win. Just go to all of them, buddy. I don't know why you're, yeah, just go to all of them. I'll, we'll figure out who the name is in a minute here. Anyways, the point is, this guy's got a heart of a champion. American mm-hmm. Pharaoh is who it is. American Pharaoh. Uh, he was not the biggest. He was not the, fa- he was, he, he, he was not the fastest, not the strongest, not the biggest. He didn't look impressive. But when they measured his heart, you know they bought him for like $5,000? You mm-hmm. know that horse was bought for like $5,000 or $15,000? You know his stud fee alone is $300,000 per stud fee? Okay, so, you know, that was on Brady, but somebody believed in him. And uh, credit goes to both of them. And the, the league will miss him, although I think the NFL is right now stacked with a lot of great yeah. talent that's going to take this league. For sure. Make it exciting for another day. I just, I just hope that he does not go away, meaning he I won't. hope he does what, you know, Peyton Manning has done, has done yeah. and even Drew Brees and the legends, and just still be a part of the game. But he'll do it his way. He'll do it his way. As he should. He's not going to do it like the other guys. To me, I don't see him playing as big a role as those guys. Just his personality isn't really that that type of commentator, you know, analyst. Like, he's just not that that dude, you know. But uh, I agree. I I hope he does. I just... Is there a bigger stud... In in the world. Oh, what I was going to say. Brady. Is, I was going to say. I, I didn't make my point. I'd say he's the greatest athlete of all time. He's the greatest winner of all time. Yeah, he's greatest a, winner of all time. Listen, sure. when you play against somebody else, Michael Jordan, you play finals. You could have a bad day. The Knicks could beat you first game when he played against the Knicks in the playoffs. That means mm. he would have been out of the playoffs if it's only one game. But this guy, you have one game and you win seven out of what is it? Seven, seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Yeah, that's insane yeah. to do that. And the the argument is always from the Giants fans. Eli beat him twice. Yeah. Did you see what uh, Eli said? Eli said, I just want to sit there and say, I think I'm uniquely qualified yeah. because I watched you win when I was in college in Super Bowl. Then I played against you and I watched you win when I was in the league. Mm-hmm. Then I watched you win a Super Bowl after I retired. And he used the words. He says, you were gracious enough to let me win two. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No doubt. His, love that. His, his biggest foils were the yeah. Manning guys. He yeah. had to go through Peyton Manning right. every year. And Peyton Manning had yeah. to go through him. And the, the two Super Bowls that he lost other than Philly was to Eli Manning. And people had to literally catch balls on top of their helmet yeah. in order yeah. to beat Tom Brady. You had me Respect at catch balls, Adam. You had me at catch balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, Listen, uh, uh, do you want to make it public that you are subscribed to his OnlyFans because he did say that? Yeah, Mike. Uh, everyone, by the way, Mike Ritland has OnlyFans. It's him and dogs, both. Yeah. Uh, Not at the same in time. Skimpy. Put up, put up this website, Mike Ritland's book. If you want to tell everybody the book, Adam, uh, uh, again, uh, un. How to un. Fuck America? That's is right. that what it is? It is how. How it. to unfuck America? Yeah, it's an uh, illustrated manual. Can you put up the picture of it? Open-minded conversation. Amazon and put the link below well, for people to be able to go buy it. <clears> if there's if there's anything we could say about the legendary Mike Whitland over here is that we always have a respectful, open-minded conversation, and we are doing our part to unfuck America. Three, three times on the podcast, man. Mike, you're the man, baby. Thank Good you. Good to have you back. Thank on. you, Mike. Appreciate Take care, buddy. Yes. Bye 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 bye. By the way, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. What are we doing tomorrow? Tomorrow we're doing Jordan Peterson. He's going to be in the house for a few hours. And I think it's going to be on the other channel for three hours, but it's going to be on the other channel instead of this channel. Or is it on PBD Podcast? I still don't know which one it is. I think we're doing pod, uh, PBD Podcast, and it's at 12 o'clock. It's at 12 o'clock tomorrow. All right. It's 12 o'clock tomorrow. On, whatever the time is on YouTube, we'll that's what the there, time yes. will be. We'll see you guys tomorrow. If you got questions you want to ask Joe Rogan, send me uh, – not Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, send me a tweet. No. Maybe we'll address it tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. bye-bye. bye-bye.